0: Listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And uh, this week is episode number 23, and uh, I'm joined by my friend Ralph Schmidt, uh, main man behind the bands Ulta and Ropes of Night, as well as uh, previously of Planks. And uh, Ralph has been on the podcast before, and we'll be on again definitely looking forward to having him on again after this um and uh yeah i decided uh when we left off the last episode we felt like yeah i mean there's you know more stuff to talk about kind of like some some things that we didn't feel like we really hit um and that conversation so that's where we went this time um tried to hit those things that we that we were, were thinking about like um talking about a bit more philosophy, uh, Satanism, um, ethics, and different kinds of of subjects like this, as well as uh, uh, honest integrity within metal. And, um, yeah, I guess you could say integrity, yeah. Like, honesty and integrity and all that kind of stuff. So all these things uh, play a part, and then we also close out with a little discussion about something we both love, which is the James Bond movie series. So, good conversation, um, it's always great getting to talk to Ralph, and i uh, very much looking forward to having him back on, I think next time we may try to figure out a particular kind of subject to talk about, um, we'll figure that out, um, so yeah, that's what's going on this week on the podcast, uh, next week I am not 100% sure yet, but the week after will be, um... Mike Hill uh, will be rejoining me, and we're going to be covering the uh, story Wolf's Head by Robert E. Howard, so I recommend going out and uh, giving that story a read before we listen, before we get to that episode, so the week after next. Uh, yeah, so I got to figure out what I'm going to do for this week. Um, yeah, I mean, this upcoming week that, after this episode, but uh yeah, and uh, in the future, I think Mike and I are gonna cover uh, Elric Milliborn, Uh which uh, I just got the uh, three-volume set that's been recently reissued. I think last year, um, so it's it's kind of the new Elric saga collection. I previously had the uh, uh, book club edition, which came out before, which was a. Uh, I had the first three volumes of that. I guess there was a fourth one that I never got, but um, which is the equivalent of the third volume of this one. So basically, the first, the two first, in this are the first three of the old Elric saga collections, and uh, they're arranged in proper order as the books in the Elric Saga Part Three were um, mixed into the the rest of the series. So, I am. I have in the past twice read through, you know, the first two volumes of the Elric saga. Uh, uh once when I was a teen. Well maybe even three times, I'm trying to remember. I definitely I read Elric when I was a uh, kid and again when I was probably a teenager and then I definitely read through it uh in my twenties and then I've read through part of it um in that since that time. So definitely uh I, I've read through, particularly the first book of the Elric saga, like a couple times. But uh, yeah, it's great to have a volume of ones that uh, have not ever read, um, and uh, looking forward to to digging in and and ta- and then hopefully, um, hopefully Mike and I will discuss some Elric in the the next time around. So you know, in a month or whatever. Um, so that's what's going on there. Uh trying to think of anything else. Yes, yeah, a brand new year. Last week was the uh funeral dream episode. So you know, we're continuing on. Uh it's great to have the uh um podcast going and I hope everybody is enjoying it and support and you know, please thank you for all your support and um hope everyone keeps enjoying. And we'll continue building everything as the year goes on. Uh, I want before I start up the episode, I want to shout out to the rest of the uh, Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse. Mondays we have Horror Wolf six 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 Brandon Legion, and I'm trying to get Brandon on here pretty soon as well. Uh, Tuesdays you got Jackie Smith with Into the Necrosphere, and uh, again I'm gonna try to get him back on shortly. Uh, probably, I would imagine next month, probably in, in February, we'll get Jackie on. Um, and then Wednesdays, you got Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And then Thursdays, you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandado, and Jeff Kashid. I'm trying to get uh, Mike Scandado on, and maybe even Jeff Kashid as well. I think uh, I've been thinking about that a lot. I, to try to get the rest of the horsemen onto the podcast. They're the last two. So I'm gonna try to get them on. Um and then on uh let's see. And at the intermediate times we got Cheyenne from Trivax Uh with IBUS Manifestations. So Yep. Give every everybody a follow. Go on Instagram, Facebook, and um, Spotify, and whatever profile uh, platform you use, and go follow everybody. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well at um, uh, Carl Hikara which is K A R H A I K A R A, or uh, Denver Underground Radio as well. And uh, yeah feel free to uh, comment on stuff or whatever if you want. But um that's what's up. Um, we're gonna get into the episode of Ralph now. Um, before we go in, I'm gonna play the song Dispel from Ulta's newest album. Oh, that has never been true. And uh yep, go pick that up uh on Bandcamp and Uh, I just picked up their new kind of compilation um, that they just released uh, um, not that long ago, like, what, a month ago, I think, that has all their um, stuff that's from singles and different things, so go pick that up, too. Uh, Thank you for listening. Hail Satan. that uh, my brain's like just like fried all of a sudden so yeah now we're recording so uh i don't know if we want to continue on that subject or start on something different but
1: <laughs> i mean we, we wanted to i think in the last time we wanted to talk about satanism anyhow so like we could also just jump into that and just like continue the part we just spoke about
0: cool yeah a little, yeah we, ralph and i were uh talking i hadn't got around recording it and i was like oh that's a good good thing but we're talking about um bands who you know kind of like do the, you know how you described it as like they try to be all evil on stage and then they're like uh um getting off stage and uh wearing their bermuda trunks and
1: <laughs> yeah parting
0: yeah. the judas priest and stuff and the difference between the guys like that and say a band like i don't know, like Watane, like you mentioned where they're 100% about what they're they're saying they're about, you know.
1: yeah I mean, they they listen to Judas Priest too and they also love like the classics and they they I they're like backstage, they listen to that shit too, but like they they actually like it's not like just a stage banter that they do. It's just like they have the rituals, they do rituals backstage. And I mean there are like a lot of drugs involved and I think that's the topic where we came from. Um, but like they're extreme in their way and they love extreme music. And of course they're not always running around in corpse paint, but they're not like running around backstage and have like short shorts on and Nike high tops and like party down with brewskis and shit like this. They're yeah. just like, they, they live black metal in a way that I, I don't know, like that, that's, kind of the thing that got me into black metal when I, when I first started, because it all seemed so, so authentic in a way, you know, like, uh, Especially like when the churches burned and and all that shit went down on Uranus murder. I'm like these these guys they don't fuck around, you know. And by that time I was like, okay, death metal. They death metal was popular, and these guys all like look grim on the back of the covers of their albums. But then they had like interviews at Headbangers Ball, and they were all super nice. The only guy that was like kind of intimidating was David Vincent back then. Yeah, and um. I just spoke to, to Mike about it when when he was here for the Unholy Passion Fest. But that like bands like Incantation back then they like they like up the ante with with the way they act and the way they portray death metal, and they're not like not these party dudes. And that's what I loved about that kind of stuff. That what got me hooked into black metal.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree. Like, I think when you look at the the bands in the '90s, like I could totally under, understand like the reaction you know like the black metal reaction against like you know this kind of like party time type of death metal thing that's going on or you know like even yeah. like death like you can tell that that chuck snow uh, uh snowdider like annoyed them like wearing his pink shirts and talking about being life metal and stuff yeah. and uh uh but you had a band like yeah like incantation morbid angel who i think were like present i mean those bands are have always been like the most important death metal bands for for black metal fans i think you know yes yeah like they're they're my favorite death metal bands as well myself for myself and uh it's like uh you know that's why i feel like there's always been a real crossover between the incantation and morbid angel and black metal guys because it's like they also are very uh intense about what they're doing and uh you know, like you watch a lot of those old Morbid Angel videos, and they look like they they meet it, but then you watch them like uh, off stage, and you hear the stories about them. Like they were very serious, like intense guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were not fucking yeah. around. You know? Yeah, I
1: think, yeah. It's also I think Glenn Benton, for example, the side he was like also he was a, a nut job, man. I mean, yeah. he's a, like he's a retic nut job, but like he he took this shit serious that he like he talks about and i mean if you look at the the whole development of like death metal becoming the most popular extreme metal um like in the recent years which was kind of obvious that it would happen um you have like i think the most popular or successful of all those bands is blood incantation now and they what they do they execute it perfectly i mean they they worship like they worship Morbid Angel and Immolation, all these bands, and they're like super good at what they do, and they look all metal, but they're like party dudes, you know? They yeah. they 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 riot after the show with like beer and, and shrooms and shit like this. Yeah, but I, I know some like, of those guys. Yeah. yeah, and they're they're cool. I mean, they're super nice, and I'm into Wayfarer too. And but I'm then not, it's like
0: I'm not a fan of Blood Incantation myself. So <laughs> yeah
1: but then like you know the guy that the drummer that was also in, in in wayfarer he did this black metal record last year um yeah the storm I, Keep. yeah right and then that, then he has like pictures in the snow with like with his with the cloak on and the sword i'm like you know like in your one band you wear cowboy hats and and you have like a western atmosphere the next one is spaced out death metal where you have like sleeveless shirts and and belt buckles the next one you wear a cape this is kind of like dancing on all parties i mean yeah dude, if, if he loves all that shit, good for him but then again it's like if to me like the peak when it came to this uh, to this uh, reformation of a death metal trends where now every band tries to sound like the autopsy demo um is like before all of this these bands even started there was grave miasma and dead yeah.
0: congregation Those and these the bands
1: yeah, they're like the real deal. Yeah,
0: yeah, like Graveyard, Lucifer, you know, like, yeah, yeah, that, I, that's what I like when it comes to like the modern death metal. That's what I like. I like those kind of bands that bring in a little bit of like incantation and death doom, and yeah. you know, like it sounds evil and and they're they're serious about what they're talking about. Or you know, I felt like you also had uh, the the very first of these bands where I felt like death metal kind of came back was Necros Christos and uh Tate oh, and yeah, Blood. Oh, yeah. 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 And
1: uh, yeah, Tatum Blood is also like next level evil shit. And they're like, all these bands, they happen in the black metal scene as well. So you have, they will play like underground black metal festivals where they are clearly not a black metal band, but they have the same tropes, you know, the yeah. ritualistic aspect. And then you have like all these modern bands that start out. And of course, look, like, so like, it's kind of like with the newer black metal bands that go, like, okay, first off, we have to figure out our squiggly logo. Then we have to get some chandeliers from our grandma and some candles. Uh, do anyone have, have corpses at home? Oh, yeah, we need corpses. Oh, blood, we need blood. You know, like they have like a checklist of what they do before yeah. they even write their first riff and are like really. Like trying to work out what they want to be sonically, and that's like I don't know. Like I feel always feel kind of like a dick to, to judge bands that I don't know. But like with some of these American death metal bands that are super popular now, you look at like I'll watch a lot of live videos because most of these bands don't tour here, and then it's just like I don't I don't buy it. I don't know. Like bands like Mortiferum. I don't know man like they're good on record i don't know but they look like they look like blood incantation all these guys then you have trash like sanguiza buck or however you pronounce their band um it's like i don't know that sounds like harm's way and terror for death metal fans and (laughs) yeah I i just don't dig this there's like i just look for a certain thing in metal and yeah man there's um when when Tate and Blood came out back then and I listened to like the first record, I'm like, oh shit. So this 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 is something that had like that had a feeling of listening to the first catharsis, like the German catharsis with the K. Yeah. They had like the same nasty, violent, like no remorse kind of attitude, but just death metal. And of course, like onward to Golgotha of Incantation came to mind. I'm like, okay, so here, here, here's like something I can back.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Tate and Blood, particularly Seven, Seven Chalice is the first album. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a brilliant album. I remember when it came out, and they were yeah. also tied to the whole, you know, Norma Evangelion Day Bali uh, orthodox yes. black metal thing. So they were tied to bands like Catharsis, Onscapped, uh, Watain, you know. Uh, yeah. And I think it's interesting because the orthodox black metal movement. uh. I mean, when it first started in early 2000s, I feel like that really was the thing that really brought a lot, real fresh blood to the black metal scene. And a part of it wasn't really about like a sound was about an attitude and a seriousness, you know, like, yes. if you yeah. look at the list of bands, you know, it's Anteas, like Watain, like Catharsis, uh, you know, Tatum Blood, like all these bands, they don't sound like each other, but they are yes. united by a similar kind of a seriousness about their satanic ideas and, yeah about like what they think black metal should be or, you know, uh, and uh, I think it goes back to the original ideas of black metal. Like, as far as like you look at Hieronymus, like he wasn't talking about a particular sound. He was talking about a a vibe, a feeling, you know, like he, he he designated black metal as being a particular feeling, not necessarily, uh, oh, it has to have like drum picked like riffs and stuff, you know, like you could have a lot of different types of, Sounds for black metal, but it had to have this evil, dark feeling, you know? Yeah, and that's that's the kind of like the moronic aspect of what I find so cr-
1: cringeworthy here in like in, in mainland Europe when people talk about like the true black metal sound. And this is like, I mean, I've, I've said it like in, in the other podcast I've been on like a hundred times. It's like people like Sun Worship, Unwoo, and Ulta, we always get like shit from the from well, the people that all look like a zombie army, that all look exactly the same, you know, like they have the yeah. same clothes. It's like, yeah, you're not a black metal band because you don't look like it. It's like, dude, it's like, I don't, well, what the fuck? It's like, I don't care. So if you don't see that the stuff we do is different and that it's like authentic in our realm, don't don't fucking listen to our music. It's like, who cares? But they want to convince you that you're not the thing they believe black metal to be. And then it's like they, they listen to their talker and their Horna and they look like they have their leather jacket, they have long hair or bald hat, they have the same patches, the same style, listen to the same bands, and like they only praise new bands that sound like the old bands. And like I, I don't care for that, you know? Like, what do I want with a mayhem clone when I can have the real deal still releasing fantastic records?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, the um it's it's kind of a funny thing, like with with that, and it's like uh, uh I mean, I still prefer some dude like that to somebody who's like um, completely putting on a complete like show. Like they're like, oh, yeah, we're making black metal, but uh, when I'm not making black metal, I'm a completely different person. You know what I mean? <laughs> I <know. laughs> at least at least they you know they have what they think black metal is, and they stand by it, and they they live in that. I don't necessarily. I don't agree of being like. I don't know, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I yeah, I just get kind of annoyed with those kind of guys too, just because they're like the kind of guys who like go out of the way to like just be assholes to every to other people. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't like that. Like, I like.
1: I like. I like the conviction of some of these cats, you know, like I'm, I'm an ignorant bastard when it comes to horror movies and to my kind of music I listen to. So I, I, have, a, I have a specific thing I look for and I can, I can appreciate and uh, don't shit talk others for, for the stuff that they like, you know, like there are different tropes of black metal as there are different tropes of horror and it's not everything is for everybody. But it's not like you know, like if if you would compare it, it would be like some people coming up to you and saying, "Yeah, horror is only slasher movies." It's like no, it's not, and it's 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 so dumb. So black metal can be a lot of things, and that's what I found find so funny because they always say like, "Oh yeah, yeah," like uh, the origin the originators they meant it like this. It's like have you listened to like list like if you, if you would name like the five originators of Scandinavian black metal, you have. Mayhem, you have Burzum, you have Emperor. I would consider Dark Throne, yeah, and Dark maybe S- S- Satyricon or something like yeah, that. Immortal you know? probably. Yeah. yeah, Immortal, right? None of these bands sound the same. Like no. none of them, especially like Burzum, always fell out of the realm. Emperor were like almost proggy from the get-go. Mayhem had like their own tropes, and they were like they were like. Brothers in spirit—that's that's that's the thing, you know. And and that's what you just said about like these bands that, like, I think Titan Blood is also um, tied with Thirteenth Moon and all these kind of bands. And they all sound completely different. And sometimes I think, like, if you listen, if you look, check out band pictures of Titan Blood, and you listen to Titan Blood, it kind of fits. If Mm. I listen to Thirteenth Moon and I look at pictures of Thirteenth Moon, I think the music is way too harmless it's it should be w- way darker and more brutal from the image that they have but it's like it's the original it's is the real deal that's how they live and i don't know man it's just i i talked about this so much on, on like podcasts, and i'm always like ah, i actually don't want to like talk about this anymore anymore because it's actually dumb but it's, it always comes up and it's just so stupid that people are so narrow-minded that they're like pushing their view of like this is the real black metal it's like yeah it's your definition but it's not like it's that's not that doesn't mean that it's the law you know
0: yeah well yeah i mean and uh i think we talked about this before like um uh you know like um it comes down to two, like like I think that if you're going to be, you know, I think black metal is defined by a certain feeling as a a darkness, you know, and that's like, to me, the uniting link between all the different, you know, bands I consider black metal that I listen to, you know, they all, they all have different types of feelings, different types of, different types of of shades or expressions of, of uh, energies, which you can get lost in, like, depending on what you're in the mood for you know, but, but there's like an underlying darkness behind it all that uh, I think is important. And uh, I mean, and uh, that's what I, that's where I fall, you know, like that's, that's how I look at like black metal. And I don't think it's, it's, I, I don't think black metal was ever intended from the beginning. When you look at like the second wave uh on scale of the entire, you know, European continent. Uh obviously black metal, even in the eyes of people like euronymous was not intended to just be one sound. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was it was like how how else would you have like Samael, Verathron, like Rotting Christ, um, mayhem, like uh, you know, like Marduk yeah. and all these bands be on the same? you know, they're all sharing the same soul. You know what I mean? Like but they don't sound like each other almost at all you know like yeah. what yeah
1: yeah and i think it, it, sorry yeah the um, the thing is with like a lot of festivals that get booked here by these purists like if if you like go to one of these festivals after three bands you're just like mushed in the head because there's like i don't i, ca- I can't listen to like three bands playing the same thing it will lose impact after a while and um, when we set up the Unholy Passion Fest, we always have like one band that is not a metal band. And this here was Death Deathsomnia. And so people came out afterwards, like the the complete, like, you know, like people with leather jackets and all the patches and all the traits, all uh, like all the tropes of a true black metal fan. They went in and bought like a shirt and a record of Deathsomnia. I'm like, oh, so did you like it? It's like, yeah, man. It's, it's, it doesn't sound like metal, but it has the same heaviness, the same emotion, the same darkness. See, that's, that's what I like. And that's, for example, when I suggested Trepanneering ritual to you. They're like, this guy, he plays on black metal shows all the time. He went on tour with Balzer and, and Behemoth. Right. and he's like one guy on stage but like he has the ritual thing going and does harsh noise but he's still considered to be like in that realm of black metal but because he has the same heaviness the same darkness it's just not metal but it's like blackened whatever noise whatever you want to call it right. and i like and i like bands that like f- further like they think further at what it is that they do and I don't mean bands like Death Heaven because they're just like, oh yeah, we want to be black metal and but we also want to be slow dive. And let's wear a Leviathan shirt and an Oasis shirt on stage together. That explains why we are the way we are. And you're like, <laughs> oh. yeah. Um, but then again, it's like bands like uh, I don't know, we talked about it, I think the last time. Do you know that band Horseback? Did we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, like the Invisible Mountain by Horseback, like the their relapse records debut. It sounds like Earth with like Shriek vocals. And it's like, to me, it sounds more like the, the American equivalent to like Immortal running around on a snowy mountain. And that's the same thing they felt, but just like driving around in a horse cart through a uh, through desert or something. And to me, that's, that's kind of authentic because it, it, it also black metal to me. Sounds very regional, you know, like the snowy sound of of like Norway is in their sound. Then when the Cascadian black metal thing happened, it's just it matches. If you go through these mountain ranges with all the all the trees and the fog and the gloominess, woods like th- Woods in the Throne Room or Asunder and these kind of bands, all of a sudden they make sense. Yeah, and and that's what I love about black metal that it also has like the regional flavor to it.
0: Yeah, that's one thing, like, I think uh, surprises me about there not being that many more. That, like, not really any good, like, uh, there's really not a good black metal scene in Colorado because, I mean, up in the mountains here, I mean, you literally feel like you're in, like, Scandinavia kind of in parts of the mountains, you know, like, perfect uh-huh. place to listen to Norwegian black metal and stuff. And that's the thing I always connected to being from colorado is our our mountains have that feeling and i you know i could listen to black metal and really connect to that you know and or you know be in the city and listen to like more you know dark satanic stuff or whatever you know like you know yeah. non, non-regional black metal and it's like uh yeah i think um some bands really uh match the region they're in you know yeah and it's just it's always so funny,
1: like when when metal journalists or like people that always need to stick stuff in boxes, that they they only use the terms that they have heard in connection to something without thinking about it. So, for example, bands like Sun Worship when they came out, they w- they were considered Cascadian black metal. It's like <laughs> these these are three motherfuckers that look like the the complainers, and they come from fucking Berlin. There's nothing, nothing, uh, nothing cascadian about them. No, they're so their music far away doesn't have that the... feeling at all. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, so why, why do you say that? And it's just like, oh yeah, okay. So there's a drummer and two guitar players, and they they play more atmospheric stuff without a bass. So yeah, it sounds like Who's in the Throne Room, and Who's in the Throne Room is uh, is cascadian. And the funny thing is, they don't even sound like Who's in the Throne Room. It's no, just, I don't think so. It's, it's so lazy to do stuff like this. But yeah, I mean that's that's the way people operate. They want to have it in boxes and they want to describe it to someone and yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not a music journalist.
0: Well, I know and I, I mean I have friends in the like the Cascadian scene like um in that band Alda. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah and uh I've known them for like since the early 2000s when they're in their old band. And I, I think that <laughs> I think that people up there in Cascadia, in that Cascadian area, would be kind of annoyed to hear about some German band being described as Cascadian black metal as well. Sure. They're very regionalistic there. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. We tour, like uh, when we toured with, um, with Vonum um, a few years back, it was the same time that uh, Kefale and um, Fauna toured together. Oh yeah, and um, and fauna is also here. I think they're <laughs> also from from Tacoma or something. But the, I think they're, yeah. they're they're also tied with with um, with a lot of these Cascadian bands. So they they did their weird ass shtick that they have with the costumes and everything. Yeah, it's like this like um, weird
0: shamanic thing that they do. Yeah, yeah. It d- depends
1: on the record that they play and like with the with. I think they played the Hunt or something where they had a. Uh, it almost looked like chicken costumes. Sometimes it was. Well, a lot of people gave them shit because it looked so weird. But then again, you you look at it and you're like, oh, I, they have an idea, and that what they do is like it's like the real deal. And then we hung out with them and talked to them, and then they showed us pictures of the shows they they usually play, and they showed us pictures from like the shows in the forest that they did, uh, yes. some clearings. There's also like, oh, here's a picture of the first wolves in the throne room show, like next to a bonfire. I was like this makes so much sense, and yeah. when you take it out of context, of course it's kind of weird. They played Roadburn on on the, like on a daylit stage in the afternoon, so of course everybody was like, "What the fuck is going on here?"
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Heard, I heard that my friends and all day, they told me like this is like around one, like you know. Ten years ago, whenever they were telling me about fauna and and seeing them, but I guess there used to be this venue that was almost I don't know if it's still there, but they were telling me about going to this venue that was kind of like a um, a, almost like a Viking hall in a way. Then they'd have like shows and fauna would play there, and uh, they said it was like real intense because yeah, you're seeing them like in the forest or in this like a proper environment, and you know it's like a ritual. Like they were purposely trying to do these like shamanic rituals with their music, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think out of context, it would be really kind of, kind of weird, you know, like you need to see those bands. Like, um, like I've, you know, there's a one band from here that's called Velnius. Um, Uh yeah, I know them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw them at the gathering of shadows, which is like this festival that, um, Kyle from, from, you know, Nightbringer and Auclis, um, and his other friend, um, used to put on up in the mountains here in Colorado. And, uh, were playing and they were like real cool like in the forest like it was perfect for their music you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but absolutely. Seeing, seeing them yeah. like and then later on i saw them open for aglock and uh, just like in a normal venue and it wasn't quite as uh quite as good as seeing them in the forest you know yeah
1: there's um there this there was a there used to be a festival in the states i don't know where it exactly was i think it was Stella Na, Stella a or something i don't know i have to look it up man it was the there was the guy from looks it looks Eterna, like this folk band yeah and he set it up and it was like in in, in the in the forest and um yeah i, and I remember it. yeah I and think I think in, they had yeah sorry i
0: was like, i think it was in california in the mountains up there uh, yeah Northern california yeah yeah, it, make, it would
1: make sense. Like from the labels and and everything that were
0: involved, and I remember that. Like, I,
1: I mean, I'm still obsessed with Ashbor. They're like one of my favorite black metal bands from the states ever, and they they played there. So like, I saw videos of them playing there, in, like on that on that dark stage in the middle of the forest. I'm like, that's perfect. And then they have like a lot of like these neo folk bands, and of course there were some sketchy bands on there. But like America is different; like they wouldn't play the festivals here. But it makes sense, like to have like bands like this, like the folk bands, then play in the afternoon, just like offside of the stage, just in between the wood, in the, the in between the trees. And you have like uh, I think it's also like fell voices and these kind of bands play Ludicra. And it makes so much sense. And now they have the festival. And I think it's in Wyoming, the Fire in the Mountains thing. Yeah. And um, I mean, looking at this, it looks fantastic. And, and, and they had like, Wilson of headline, had mine, And they had like bands like Enslaved come there, which all makes sense. But then they had um, Obsequie played there in broad daylight. And that, to me, like from the videos I saw, it didn't work at all like to me this kind of these these bands should play like in these old catacombs yeah and and then they had ruins of Everest play like in daylight and ruins of Everest is some of the darkest music that Germany has ever produced and like seeing them in the afternoon the cool thing about that show is that a storm came up while they were playing so like if you watch the live videos on youtube you can see like dark clouds like coming up at behind the mountains which is like that's kind of cool yeah. But yeah, I mean this is, I, I just I just that's why I love black metal so much because it lives off of the atmosphere and that's why you have to see it in a, in a certain setting. And I was like when when Mike said he will fly out to, to come to Unholy Passion because he wants to see Ulta, I'm like, I'm glad you will be at that show because it it's the most perfect setting that we can have as a band. And I think he like he was like pretty impressed by the way it looked and everything it felt, and that's the cool thing about Black Metal that people still give a shit about like the aesthetics and the overall feeling that a show has to evoke. Yeah,
0: yeah. A band like Obscure, how <laughs> I I get that name? Yeah. It wrong. but they they they'd be a band I'd want to see like in a old castle in a dungeon or something yeah. like that. Like the the guy in that band, I I. Used to talk to a lot. Uh, he sw- he was in that band, uh Celestial or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. The uh, funeral doom band. Yeah. Tanner, there's a there's in a, in in Leipzig
1: here. Leipzig is like the the city to be at the moment, like because a lot of people used to go to Berlin from like from all over Germany because it was the hip spot. But it got so fucking expensive and overrun. So Leipzig is like the 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 cheaper version, which is also cool, and it has like more tradition because it's like Eastern Germany. It's still like a bit ahead, like behind on time, and they have like an open church ruin that they do shows in. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, there were like uh, Alex, the guy that used to book Ulta a while back. He did some shows there, and also Leipzig has like this this. A, a very good black metal scene they have this everything revolves around the label into endless chaos and all these bands are super extreme in what they do and they set up shows in there too and um i think also she passed away played there so it kind of fits the vibe and whenever i listen to to obsequie that's like how i would pronounce the name but no idea if that's the correct version <laughs> yeah, i would okay. um i um i would see them playing in this old ruins and we have like a lot of these old ruins here so i hope at one point someone will book them a tour in summer where they can play like these old castles or like old ruins in the evening that would be perfect
0: yeah that would be great like band like that play like it's like um as some bands just feel like a certain vibe like you know if if there was a it's like a band like mutilation for example like i see yeah. the videos of them playing like festivals and it's, it just seems wrong like you need to see mutilation play in like a old chat ruined chateau in france or something like you know like you don't want to see them yeah. play a, like a, you want to see them play like a ruin so you don't want to see them play a a festival yeah. you know like in the i want to uh, i want to see
1: them uh, like in the basement of the blair witch house kind yeah. of like yes <laughs> something like this something completely fucked up
0: yeah Yeah, you know, I just, that's my problem, the thing about some of the festival stuff, like, I've never been real big on festivals myself, I know there's, like, some cool ones, you know, there's cool ones there that you got in Germany and, and Europe that are in cool venues and stuff, but, like, say, like, the traditional, you know outdoor festival type of thing where bands are playing in the middle of sunlight like waken or something i had yeah. i've never had any interest ever in going to waken for example like that just sounds like a nightmare yeah. to me <laughs> you know like- it is
1: it is it's it's pretty much like a gather- gathering of the juggalos it's it's horrible i mean there are various stages and shit but it's like it's it's like one of the biggest festivals that it, that it is out there and it's it's i don't know like i haven't been there and i have no like ever interest in going there but like also played uh, with full force which is like the second second biggest german metal festival yeah. and it's it's set in like in like an old industrial park so you have these gigantic uh cranes and 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 like uh shovel wheels that they used to dig coal from the ground and um so they do shows there and we got asked to play it's like yeah we have two slots you can choose from we're like okay so what slots do you have yeah the one would be um at 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 three in the morning in a tent and we're like uh okay so what's the (laughs) other option it's like yeah um on the beach stage in between cannibal corpse and zealand or at five on the sunday we're like okay, we'll take the night slot.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And
1: and then we arrived there and I saw a Cannibal Corpse play while people were in their shorts in, in the water because it's next to a lake. So people were slamming around in the water while they were playing, <laughs> playing Hammer Smashed Face. I'm like, mm. imagine we would have got to go on that stage now and play to people that are like hanging out in the water and us without fog, without anything. It's was like, we, we played like, Probably to 250 people instead of like 4,000, right. but it's still like I, I would have felt
0: very, very poor to play in that in
1: that setting. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's not. It's not for me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not a not about that kind of stuff. Like, I've seen some of the festivals. I think what kind of cool is they have the one that's in um, Norway. That's in that um, fortress there. That yeah, yeah, that looks mm-hmm. cool. There's one. There's like. One of those I've seen um, somewhere in Eastern Europe, I forget where. They're like it's like a fortress, yeah. old like castle or something. They got a show. They have a show. I saw uh, a video of Asphyx playing there. It looked pretty cool.
1: Yeah, they had the. You know, I think you think you need a brutal
0: assault. Is brutal, brutal assault ass- in like a, a, a it's, castle it's, or something? It, yeah, it's in
1: a castle, and they have three stage. They like, have two stages uh, in front of like the big castle wall and all the merch and everything is in inside the castle so you have to go through these corridors and also I played there too and they have a small stage which is in kind of like a coliseum and that was that was fucking impressive yeah I, I we played there and once we're like once we were done i ran over to the main stage with my backstage pass because masters hammer played their oh, first cool. ever live show and then uh I, I like one of like a, uh, when they came back. So that was fucking amazing seeing them. That's awesome. But yeah, there's, yeah, there's, um, there's one, in one festival in Austria, which is like, uh, on top of a mountain in, and has only has like a little hut and it belongs to a guy that, um, oh man, what's this band name? Uh, I always forget it. Like, it sounds like neurosis for hippies and with a lot of drug issues. Uh-huh. Um, Oh shit, man! What's their <laughs> name? I always want to say "Of the Wind and the Moon," but it's not that. Uh, that's the neo folk band. Yeah. But I mean, it, that that festival is like it's 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 around it's it revolves around the summer solstice. That's when it happens, and you have to apply for a ticket, and they will only grant it if they know you or if you have connections. So you just c- cannot just go there. Okay. And um, and it's like uh, I mean I there's like too too much too much drug thing like too many drugs going around there like I don't care for that also right. the bands are not always like the stuff that I want but like the pictures that I saw of bands playing there look fucking stellar so like that's always like I, I love it when people do shows in these kind of settings so yeah
0: that's that's a cool thing I mean like like I said about gathering of shadows they did just up in the forest you know like and it's like clearing in the forest like it's great you know i have like a bonfire and it's like bands are playing like i, I like this kind of setting like to see bands strictly black metal like you know like i don't know i think black metal like is one of those genres that a good environment uh, means a lot and you know if you can create an environment like how Ulsa does like with like the the red lights and the fog and stuff i mean that's yeah. I, I like that too uh you know like when you can really like um take it to the next level um do you know the if you heard of the band uh they're not uh, they're not, not really black metal but they're kind of adjacent but uh Celestia uh no doesn't ring a bell there no Celeste sorry not Celestia oh uh, so, so yeah yeah of yeah.
1: course yeah celeste I I set up their first German show ever like some years back in Mannheim yeah yeah when, got... they, when the, yeah
0: I saw them. They they're one like I think it's their only American tour. They came here and I, I went and saw them because I'm a big fan of theirs and they're they put on a cool show. Like they have all their lights and everything, and you know,
1: yeah, but they have it now. When they started, they they played in pitch black, and they just had uh, these. Um, I think it's a bike or a jogger's lamp that you can like. You have like a like a headband and it has yeah. like only the small light. So you could just move, see the moving light. And I was like, I don't know, man, like if I want to go to a live show, I want to at least see the band. And then later on they incorporated uh, fog and strobe. So you had like mostly like this red dots flying around and but then always like mix it up with strobe. and then it kind of became like a cool thing yeah um and i mean they always they're kind of like amen Raw, where they always like they write the same record over and over again because it's the only shtick they can yeah. But they're good at what they do and they got really popular because it it matches the, the light and the sound and that's one thing that i never understood about america it's like that lo- most bands are too lazy to actually like do something with their light and especially like from the hardcore scene like they, they play like gyms and like school gyms you know like and, and, and they just have the regular lights on and that does ha- doesn't have any atmosphere and I mean hardcore works in a different way. But still, it's just like I don't want to play like in a room where the light is actually on. Like I would do some sports now. <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah. it's so awkward. And and that's also a thing that I regret like I regretted when when Neurosis got rid of their visuals. Because to me, like Neurosis were one of the first band that incorporated interludes and visuals. And then I saw them play without the interludes and without the visuals. And like whenever they played a song, it was fucking amazing. But then afterwards it was silent and you could hear them tune and no one said anything. And it, it was just like has these gaps in the set. And I don't like that. Yeah, and that's I like what that I either. wanted to have. Yeah. And that's what I thought like with Ulta, when we started having like these super long songs. Imagine like you play a song for 15 minutes and then it's like awkward silence. People clapping. and You're like, ew, ew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for coming out. Please come to the front. We've got some merch for sale or something like this. I know I didn't want this I want to be like in a, in a zone in the movie for like an hour and that's what I thought about like with Ulta I'm like I just want to play with red light behind us and like fog but then the others were like but then you can see us like yeah you can see silhouettes of us but this music doesn't revolve around us looking all sexy or cool or whatever like it's no. it's like you're really engulfed in fog and you're part of the atmosphere and the mystique and and that's like the most authentic thing we can do without like wearing some sort of like costumes or whatnot. And I think that sets us apart from a lot of the other bands that do this stuff around here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. Like the, um, to do these types of things and, and, and this day and age, I mean, uh, it's not that expensive to buy, you know, LED light setup and stuff like that. Like, there's really no excuse for not taking yeah. control of your of your lighting situation. Like, I know that whenever I get my project up and running, we actually play live shows. I'm gonna definitely invest in like some some lights and fog and shit just uh Because I have a I have a vision of like what I want, like white lights and kind of this kind of vibe that's kind mm-hmm. of inspired by uh David Bowie's like Station to Station tour. I wanna like. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I know Interpol did some ones like that as well, but I want to use that kind of um, white lights, like shining straight up, like expressionist theater type of idea, like, but for black metal, you know, I think it would be cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the cool thing about people that thinking their music three dimensionally, where you just like uh, invest more thought into how you want to portray that, the music as well. And I mean, like, I don't think everybody necessarily needs to do that. You know, like a band like Asfex or like this classic or obituary, they, if they have like a good light guy that like knows how to operate his things, cool. I am just allergic to people, like, the light people are sometimes a bit too overzealous and like they, they go all nuts in parts where you think like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And uh and it's just like it's just too much sometimes. And uh, yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: I'll tell you one of the best um shows I've ever seen when it comes to like the lights and the fog and the way that it the atmosphere was um I saw Chelsea Wolf tour for uh, his fun. yeah and the way that she had her um, the, the lights and like the the fog was cool because it was it was they had it somehow where it was just coming up behind the drummer. Mm-hmm. And it was like they had like this kind of thing that looked like almost like a black sun behind up above the drummer and it was like they'd have the lights behind him so it was like this looked like there's this moving like curtain of fog behind the band That's and, nice. Uh, yeah. and they had they like really cool lights and they were like perfectly like aligned to the music and stuff like that like it was really impressive like it really was like one of those times where the lights and what they were doing with it like felt very immersive like it was immersive into the music like perfect yeah. music you know
1: yeah, and that's like the uh the Church of Ra guys. They have their own light technician and their own sound guy, so he does all the bands. So he does uh, um, Amon Ra, Voodoo, Oathbreaker, all these bands. So everybody knows, like they can rely on that. They know whoever does the light now for them, he knows the vision of what they want. And even the, even though that Amon Ra is always writing the same riff and the same song (laughs) it's life it's so fucking impressive because it's massive and you've got the the projector and the fog and it's so well well balanced that like it's always like making my jaw drop when i see them live even though i'm not particularly listening to them a lot like at home but like life it's always like it's not i I don't want to call it fun but it's just like it's impressive and it sucks you in yeah yeah i think it's important and uh,
0: I, I think it goes back to what started off like like bands being for real about what they're doing in a way like they have a vision that's what impresses yes. me when i that's, you know i see like say chelsea wolf she has a vision of what she wants and it shows yes. up in every aspect of her of her artistic expression be it like the 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 you know the the artwork the way the live show is you know everything know. and you know and it it's like um like Watane, for example, like they have that same thing. I mean, they're fucking—they have a vision of what they want, and they create this energy and atmosphere when they're playing because they're for real about what they're doing. You know, they're yes,
1: yeah, and that's it's it's again. Now, that's not even three dimensional; that's four dimensional because to them, it's also the spiritual backdrop to what they do. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea Chelsea Wolf kind of has like the esoteric, almost—I don't know if you could consider it Satanist, but like occult, definitely. Like backdrop to what she does, and I mean King Dude had that, but like for King Dude, it always feigned, felt kind of phony as well. Yeah, I think um, it's phony. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like Watain, like if if you like talk about satanic black metal, like they're they're the real deal. Like I don't I don't give a shit about Nergal and Behemoth. Like he's he's a showster, and I don't know if he has any like actual satanic beliefs or what kind of like satanic flow he's on but yeah. like what they're like the real deal and i, I we had like a guy who used to be used to be a friend of, all of us and like after a while he for like other reasons he decided that we suck and he hates us now and he was borderline and now he's dead um uh-huh. but he but he always um he always complained like yeah like when when he started to hate us it was like yeah uh uh, Ultha is not a real black metal band because it's not about Satan and black metal needs to be about Satan. like, wow, this is the most retarded thing you could have said, you know, like to insult us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I don't think that like I'm not not even the first wave, like not even the second wave was like straight up satanic. They were like no. more pagan, and you had like some satanic bands, but um, I mean, would you would you like like in his mathematics is like okay, so what do you think like the first Three Marduk records are like black metal, and then they're not black metal because they sing about war. It's uh, I don't yeah. This is it's so a,
0: dumb, It's yeah. ridiculous, yeah. The the uh, because <clears throat> I mean, I definitely satanic black metal is definitely a spectrum black metal, but I think to be honest, like if you look at old uh, a lot of the bands that you know, the 90s and stuff, like some of them were serious, right? But I think that to me, like um. If you're gonna make a satanic or occult black metal, it needs to be for real because that's what you believe, you know, and that's what you yes. that's like your spiritual expression. You know what yeah. I mean? Like um I think like at, particularly at this point because there, there is a place for the kind of like horror movie satan satanic black metal, but I feel like that's that's been done. Like that's the eighties, nineties black metal stuff was very much just horror movie satanism you know what i mean like at this point there's no excuse to be making that unless you're i guess wanting to tribute that you know if you're wanting to make like 80s black thrash that's horror movie lyrics or something that's okay i guess but don't pretend like it's for real you know what i mean like because at this point they you have bands like watain and and um other bands that are for real about what they're doing and they believe in that um you know, they are putting their spiritual beliefs into their their lyrics and their music and everything. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and then then when they say like it's a life ritual, it doesn't apply to being like a phony goofball trick show. You know, like yeah. it, it's like so many bands consider like in Black Metal, it's so cringy. I don't know. It's <laughs> just like when people like this. Oh yeah, we're going to play a ritual tonight. It's like, oh dude, you don't say you play a ritual. Like what the fuck? and it's just like you know like so like what what do we need and the trepreneurings ritual guy like he like he lives in berlin and i had a chat with him and he's just like no man it's just like that's the that's the way i feel about how this whole thing is and like in my spiritual point of view and this is like the bleakest thing and and like the like he said like the devil is one aspect of life he's more into that realm of like The Holy Terror Church, that integrity is also like quoting with, uh, you know, like that Satan and God are kind of the same thing. And but he has like he has like he's knowledgeable and he he reads about that stuff and incorporates it into what he like wants this act to be. And um, of course, he talks about it being an act like it's just it's a side of his persona that he like like again, like in wrestling, you multiply it by a hundred. And yeah. uh, and that's like when I saw that the first time, I'm like, OK, like there's a lot of corny shit going on, but it's fucking amazing. And with some black metal bands, you're like, there's like, oh, God. I mean, for example, Batushka. Yeah. I, w- that festival I spoke about when we played at three in the morning, the band before us was Karach Angren, which was terrible. And the mm-hmm. band before that was like one of the two incarcerations of uh, incarnations of, um, of Batushka. And like when we we hung out backstage and they had like three trucks just with like their their uh, wooden church replicas that they set up on stage. And we're like, okay, wow. So this is a lot of stuff they'd set up. And then it's just like, oh, I'm wondering where the band is. And then the guys that set up the stage, you know, like short blonde hair, light blue lacoste polo shirt, white shorts, white vans. They went backstage and just put the cloak on and then they were the band who were like ah okay i see yeah <laughs> so it's like, it's like a show <laughs> yeah. yeah and i mean if you want to have it like this like you said like if you want to play this and i actually would love to do this like this kind of horror movie jason like over the top uh rock and roll black metal in a way with all the all the phony shit yes but then it's a rock show you know and they they don't they want to pretend like there's something real and that's like to me that doesn't feel real
0: yeah like like i, I it is fun to like i mean in the past i've made music where i've been like yeah i'm just gonna be like over the top like you know just like trying to write like you know a 70s satanic horror movie black metal you know and it's fun yeah. but i don't pretend like that's like legitimate you know like <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's a fun thing to do uh you know and and sometimes you can you, if if you are genuinely into this kind of spiritual occult things you can you can uh infuse that in whatever you know you can make a goofy satanic horror thing and have some real stuff in there as well but you but at the same time it's not the same as like making like uh black metal that's like uh you know spiritually like um centered you know like but even with the black, like a band like Watain or these kinds of bands that are for real about what they're talking about, the lyrics are also symbolic. You know, like they're putting um, certain things into their lyrics, but it's like a symbolic expression. So you, it's not like you need to you're supposed to take it at face value either, because sometimes they do take it in this kind of outrageous directions and stuff but it's it's really just a spirit it's like a symbolic symbolism you know what i mean that you're using you know sure
1: yeah of course and i mean some some bands they always incorporated these
0: the theatrics
1: i mean that's even in the in the in the occult rock scene in the 60s and they had like some of these bands that had like the costumes and over the over the top stuff where they um of course like a lot of them took lsd and then just like portrayed that role but i'm like totally i'm totally obs- obsessing about like the bands like death ss mortuary drape um yep. mighty sphincter that all have like a different sound but they have like this almost cartoonesque 80s or you know, late 70s early 80s graphic horror in a way going on and i could see myself doing this because i'm the guy like i i always like I I look on stage the way I look at work, the way I look on the street. And that's the that's the thing, like with all of Ulta, there's no costumes whatsoever. But right. I know if I if I would do a band like this, I would like to I would write the most silly lyrics and would like also have like fake blood and like paint or shit. But I would do it like in a, in a way that everybody sees like, oh, no, this is like this is fun. This is so supposed to be like over the top, like fun. Yeah. And, uh <laughs> Yeah. And then not like, oh yeah, this is the real deal. Look at us now. Now we're like this <laughs> or that. Oh, ah, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think there's 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 a difference there. And uh, I mean, of course, like within Satan, Satanic, Black Metal, and say, Satanism as a whole. I mean, you got a lot of different strains of it going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like different types of ideas, like. And that, that, that's an interesting thing, too, is because, you know, you have one spectrum of it, which is, like, I think more tied to the uh, uh, old school, like, kind of juvenile, um, uh, you know, early 90s black metal idea of Satan, where it's like, oh, yeah, he's like this, like, anti, he wants to create terror and spread disease, oh. you know, it's like all this kinds of stuff, right? Like, you have this idea. Which is has a has a genuine quality too, because it's like Satan as a destructive force. But then you can also look at Satanism as like uh, you know, the kind of romantic um, anti-hero or whatever. You know, the rebel angel. You know what I mean? Like that, like Dante looks at at Us yeah. as. You know, like uh, and both things are correct in a way, in my opinion. So and but they're just different expressions, and you can. Uh, there's different ways of expressing that in the music as well, you know,
1: yeah, and that's the cool thing about Satanism that like um
0: when you when you dig into
1: that, and I mean, i I wrote one of my 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 master's thesis at uh, when I studied. I wrote about the evil uh, uh, like evil in general, and as with the example of Satanism. As like a a, a docking point for for the for young adults, that was kind of like the idea. What I would like because we need to like you study to be a teacher, and you need to do like a thesis about some related topic to teaching. And I'm like, I don't want to do like some pedagogic shit. I don't want to like how to incorporate foreign language into like uh, the chemistry lessons or whatever. I didn't care for that shit. So I studied philosophy and, and I thought like, okay, so you can have like social uh, social studies and, and philosophy mixed, you know, like with, okay, so is Satanism a threat for for youth <clears throat> and teenagers and, and, and how is that? So I had to dig into like the basics and I mean, I knew a bit of stuff, but then I was like, okay, so there's Gnostic Satanism and there's this strain and that strain and so it was super interesting to find out about this. And now, when I, I mean, the stuff I, I actually do like a lesson on Satanism in school in tenth grade, where the kids are like fourteen to sixteen. And I have like mostly in philosophy, I have mostly like Muslim kids or uh, um, uh, atheists, and mm-hmm. they're like, especially like the Muslims, they're super scared to talk about Satan because right. they're so they're so. And like they they got raised with the image of Satan is the evil, and they always have the picture of the goat, you know. Like there's a monster sitting underneath us somewhere on a throne of blood or something. Right. That's their vision, and um, and they're always like, so yeah. When when we talk about religion, and we always do like the three monotheistic religions, then we do Hinduism and Buddhism, and there's like always the questions coming. It's like, so what are you? I'm like, yeah. I would consider myself an atheist with, like, tendencies to Satanism. And then they're all, like, shocked. It's like, oh, no, our teacher is a Satanist. They're like, wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Let me explain. So, and here's maybe, like, that's my take on Satanism. Because I'm I'm really not a spiritual person per se. Like, in the vein that I really, like, I mean, you are really educated when it comes to this. I, You can hear it in the podcast you do, the way that you conduct yourself you know a lot of that stuff and it's a part of your life and to me this pretty much isn't really that much but the aspect that i liked about the satanism that i mean is like i always ask the kids so what is the opposite of praying to a god and say it's then like it's praying to satan it's like no because then again you're praying to a higher entity and to like and then i like the idea of like the the uh, the egoistical kind of view that like the and like the antithesis to praying to a god is to pray to yourself that you are the highest entity yeah not, not not some god and then the kids are like oh wow this is interesting i'm like yeah so this is this and then i can go into the into the fascist aspect of black metal that like some satanists then claim i'm better than others and i can i can say this because i'm i'm i my own god talk about egoistical views and shit like this, and that's always really catchy, but I have to be careful with that one point where I utter the words that I'm partially satanic, uh, partial satanist, because that cost me my job in the end.
0: Right, yeah, you have to be careful <laughs> with that. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, I mean, in this day and age, it's still like, um, it's still like, um, to be a satanist uh, outright, like is still something that can cause problems for people you know what i mean like it's it's uh we're still in an age where that's uh shocking to some people you know what i mean and yeah i think uh i think that is the thing like i've always had that approach uh, with uh satanism and even spirituality in the sense that uh uh i never really believed in the idea of like i don't know Like this kind of devil worship where you're worshiping the devil and you're like i am the servant of the devil and all this stuff you know what i mean i don't believe that i believe that these like i mean i do believe in these these forces and i do think that they teach us and they lead us but they want us to become like the whole purpose is is for us to become more um i guess more powerful in ourselves you know what i mean like we're not we're not uh here to you know i think if you look at Satan, I mean I mean the last thing Satan wants in the world is people bowing to him and you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. to him. Like that's not you're just prey at that point to to that kind of force. You know what I mean? Like you're not worth you know, like a person who has self worth and and develops the self, that's kind of to me a, a satanic idea and that's why, you know, like um in Satanism there is this quality to it that is um it presents extreme things out, outwardly and that's a mm-hmm. test for people to actually who can have the ability to see beyond just the outward like you know outward form or something and and go beyond that you know what i mean it's like a test like and there's a lot of that in in satanism where um it's testing people it's like if you you could be you know if you if you go into satanism and you believe that it's just about like uh, indulging yourself and all the stuff like that like it's no you know, and just doing whatever you want and whatever, uh, eventually that's going to catch up with you because that's actually not what it's about in a way it's about becoming stronger in yourself, which doesn't mean that you're going to be indulging in every thing that, you know, it's, out, it's, you have to do it with uh, responsibility. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And,
1: and that's uh, that, that, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say, it's just like, that's, that's a big part of Satanism. A lot of people don't grasp and that's okay because that's part of the part of it. It's not it's not for everybody to understand you know what i mean it's people under yeah. get it they get it if they don't then they'll be lost on the path and you know kill themselves or you know like do drugs until they like pat- die or whatever you know that's that's because they didn't really understand the the deeper meanings of the of the path you know
1: yeah and i think that's like kind of like what you just said like it's also the part of like when I teach this in school, like I always tell them, mostly before we go into the religion topic, we speak about politics and <clears throat> racism and fascism. And it's like, I always tell them the, the the biggest weapon that I can give you to fight shit like this is knowledge. And that's what I try, what I'm trying to do here. And that's what I tell them, like when I come to Satanism, that's the things like, see, like most of you are raised by families that tell you tell you you are a muslim or you are christian and then you just conduct yourself in the way that is expected of you and to me philosophy was always the idea of like questioning things and like making up your own mind and that's the thing like the anti again like an antithesis with with like satanism is like if you're a christian you bow to a book that like people in the past have spoken about, and people wrote it down, and then this is supposed to be your rule book, and like not not question it, just like act the way that it is set in that book, and then you have like the when the Reformation happened, uh, uh, and Martin Luther like had his his thesis on like okay, so this church is like running itself into the ground because it behaves like shit. And then they got like he got, like he he's been uh, a martyr and like uh, like not not, not a martyr, um, but like uh, um, oh, damn man, what do you call it when you when you're like a traitor or something, you know, like, you know like that he's like, he's like um, um, fucking hell man pariah that's it yeah yeah and he's um but he's actually like asking people to make up their own mind. And that's like a kind of what I always uh, like said, like, this is the true, true Satanist thing here is I don't take a book that my parents have or have not read and just live by the rules that their elders told them, but to read the book yourself and make up your own mind and see like, okay, there are good ideas and there are, man, I, I read the Bible and I read the Quran and, and there are good philosophical aspects for a better human life in there. Mixed do I want with, like some other stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But do I want this as my rule book that, like, this is, these are all the rules I have to live by? Absolutely not. And no. this is like what I tell them as well is like, you don't want to be considered Islamists because the Islamists, they take the book and take stuff out of context or just read one page and don't read the next page. Oh, it says like you are allowed to kill people and then read the next page. No, you're not. You know, like they're just like, oh, but it says here. And that's like one of the things that are like what pisses me off so much about the Taliban in Afghanistan that they took over after like the Americans and the Germans just ran and left them left them for dry. And now you've got like a a state run by by people where only 10 percent of the of the folk can read and like these 10 percent dictate the rules for the others that just like believe in what they say. And this to me is like one of the worst things that could still happen in now- nowadays time and look at what happened in afghanistan
0: it's terrible yeah i agree and uh particularly because and then he also said the fact that the people themselves don't really uh obviously don't want to live that way but they're being you know they're being like kind of uh for this 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 um intolerant ideas being forced upon i mean it's kind of what happened on iran as well you know it's like yeah. i think that in any situation if you're a small minority um forcing your beliefs upon the rest of the people because you think it's w- what's right that's like you're in the wrong you know you're automatically in the wrong you know what i mean like <laughs> like yeah the uh particularly this kind of intolerance and this idea of like just uh, obey don't don't uh, don't ex- don't think for yourself and all this stuff. Because that, to me, that when you get into that point where it's all about obeying and and, uh, you know, whatever the state or whatever the the small group of people in power say is what goes. I mean, that's that's where you get that situation of like fascism or Stalin Stalinism and and all these types of ideas. And you know, it's like and uh you know satanism is against all these things because it's about freedom and it's about the freedom for thought and and it's antagonistic to any type of system of control and coercion you know in my opinion you know that's why yeah. I, I always feel like satanism is, is has nothing to do with fascism i always found it kind of strange when those things get combined together because i can see like some satanic groups sometimes use those kinds of things to kind of piss off the the PC kind of people, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's almost it's more in the guise of being antagonistic. But yeah. in of itself, uh, Satanism has nothing to do with fascism because if it, it's very anti-fascist it's against any type of you know co- coercion and control, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think I think it came like with the with the aspect of being like your own god, being your the own highest entity which automatically makes you more important than others. And then you could just like find other people that are less. And if, the, if you like, it's, it's kind of like with, with, uh, with the, the American, like with what Donald Trump said, like just give someone else the fall, like give them the blame or what, what Hitler did with the Jews in the Second World War. So someone has to take the blame. And you can, like, if you're dumb enough and you don't do research, you just believe and, okay, he's guilty and he's worth less and I'm, le- I'm worth more. And, and that's, I don't know, like the, the social Darwinism of, like, the rule of the stronger people, it's just, like, it doesn't apply because I, my, my, like, the most important topic or, like, one close to my heart is human rights. And, and there's this, this like, this cool cartoon about uh, equal chances where there's like a... You see like a desert and there's like one tree and in front of the tree uh, you have like a giraffe, you have an elephant, you have a monkey, you have a fish in a bowl and you've got a hedgehog. And uh, and then there's a guy, like a human at the table saying, so equal chances, whoever gets up the tree the first, he wins. And it's just like, that's the kind of like how the world is. Like it is... It's not equal. We're not equals, and I think we should do everything to help each other to have like better chances for everybody. And whereas like these assholes that maybe take Satanism in the wrong way and then construct their own narrative of like I'm better than you, and that's that's why I'm why I'm hating on you, and you're less you're worth less whereas they are actually worthless, you know?
0: Yeah. I think, I think that people who do that are, fall, are falling victim to a delusion that, you know, arises, you know, it's again, one of those, one of those tests of Satanism, because the fact is, is like, you have to, it's not about like this kind of egoistic, like I'm better than everybody. Cause that's actually probably, if you think that, then you're probably uh, uh overcompensating, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you're, yeah. you, people who actually uh, are, are, you know, confident in themselves and the strong individual don't think that way. You know what I mean? Like, no, of and, course, uh, yeah. And if you actually take responsibility for yourself, like, you know, I always like that time like responsibility to the responsible. You know, it's all about yeah. self accountability. Like, each if each individual sees themselves as uh, in this way, and they're honest with themselves, and they they are responsible, and they take responsibility for their actions, and you know they they, you know, do indulge in the things they like to indulge responsibly and, they, and they're, like, adults, you know, like, you're not, you're not going to get that situation of people being, like, this, like, kind of idiotic, like, kind of teenage, you know, egoism, you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. And that's the thing, like, uh,
1: what, 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 again, what I mean when I tell my kids, like, the, the best thing you could do is educate yourself. And think about yourself, know yourself. That's like why I studied philosophy. And I mean, I don't have the necessarily best like self-image of myself. And I mean, with all the years of depression and self-doubt, but I always have like this 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 inch of hope and and respect for myself. That's why I always said like even in the worst phase of my life, I've never been suicidal. Because, like, to me, that was never an option. It's just like, to me, there's like a certain strength in continuing, even even though the struggles are hard. I don't judge yeah. people when they take their lives. It's like it's people say it's the most egoistic egotistical decision you can make to kill yourself. But like, I mean, it's I think it should be your own right to do so. And it's, it's like, and that's again like with the, with the aspect of Satanism that I find the most appealing it's like yes i am the highest entity that doesn't mean that i'm higher than the others but like i myself should respect myself and think about what's good for me how i want to live my life and how i want to act but then again i'm also mixed into with the with the human rights thing that i think you know like the the i don't know like what's the english word for this uh the um uh, computer, uh, uh, let me just check that. I want no, to know. I want to have the right word for that uh, because Kant always talks about um, dignity, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that like we all have like this by by being born as humans. We have this this thing in us like dignity, and you're not allowed to to like s- step on other p- p- people's dignity. Yeah, it's like this 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 crazy concept that there is this this given worth of us that is so almighty that we should respect each other. And I mean, it's a it's a made up construct, but the idea of it to like every human has the same dignity, no matter how you're born, where you're born. How you look what you believe in what your sexuality is that's that's an idea i i revolve around and i mix yeah. it with like with the self-respect thing and the respect for
0: others yeah i definitely agree with that as well because i think that that's that's like a big one of the big things that i believe in. that's why you know i don't i that's part of why i don't like you know like religions that don't that try to force these beliefs down people's throat and brainwash them and stuff and and convince them yeah. or or political ideas that do this like i think that everybody should have the have this um i think uh this 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 idea of yeah like um i believe everybody has their own expression and i i think you should like be respectful of of people's expressions and what they are and you know like um everybody has the right to even if you don't everybody has the right to to follow their thing unless they're going to try to take your take your right to away from you that i don't you know what i mean that's where that's where you break that point of like i think in a perfect world like everybody would be able to to live their life and and you know get along you know what i mean and and have their uh, know themselves and have their sense of dignity and what makes them happy, and try to try to right you know pursuit of pursuit of of these things, and and uh, other people shouldn't be allowed to take that away from them just out of because of whatever like ideological ideas or something or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, uh, John Stuart Mill and his idea mm-hmm. of On Liberty, that book. Mm-hmm. The idea that the government uh, really should just be a force that helps people's liberty from tyranny uh tyranny of the society and religion and stuff like that tyranny from you know like uh like all like the only kind of crime should be crimes that people commit against each other so if you're if you like if you have a society that's based around the idea of each person uh you know what they do in their their home that they're not hurting anybody else that's you know that's their responsibility for themselves you know what i mean like and um, uh that's like you know if somebody's doing drugs and they're not hurting anybody like why should that be illegal you know where it crosses line to being illegal is if they're out there like harming somebody else's uh, life by like stealing from them or killing somebody for their money or something so they could do drugs that's where it becomes a problem but that's because that's the individual took that upon themselves to do that you know what i mean like and they're harming someone else and and um, infringing upon their liberty. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's 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 where where uh, my my love for Immanuel Kant comes in. Where um, I mean, he, this this construct of his categorical imperative, and I mean there are different versions of it, but like the basic idea of like. That before you act, you should think about if if the way you act could be something that everybody does and it would still be okay. It's like this this <clears throat> it's like his idea. I mean, is to to get everybody to act morally correct, <clears throat> but it's it's so not possible. As soon as like individual desires come in and that's the big problem that we have and i mean i know it's it's like it's it's like an utopia to live in the way that Kant like portrayed um but like the general idea to uh, to think a bit uh, more often about like okay do i really could i live in a world where everybody would do this like i think that helps me to keep grounded like with a lot of shit that i do like with grievances that I'm, I'm. I tend to to like hold up grudges, and then it's like I think like if everybody would keep grudges all the time, we would live in an even more hateful world than we live now. So I right. was thinking about like maybe I should start with myself and and should let go of this thing, these things, and you know like forgive more often, and, and that's like kind of what helped me like make my life better, like thinking about like the bigger picture and that's what a lot of people don't do and i mean am i egotistical yes absolutely at some points in my life i absolutely am but uh, i try to mostly think about like the bigger picture and like do i harm others and that's like the main the main thing is like where where kant always says like you should have you, you should never take another person just as a means but yeah. you always have to accept their dignity so that their their own worth. And that's like a kind of the thing that I see with a lot of people that are like, okay, cool. Like I need you to do this for me and I will give you shit shit, uh, not enough money for it, or I will just force you to do it. And these are like, like the kind of the small things that I would love the world to be better at.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it comes down to like, I believe in an idea of like individualism, like individuality and a sense of um, kind of almost more of a Jungian sense of like uh, individuation where people become as like, they're still themselves or so rude themselves, but they're not like rooted in these like petty egoistic ideas or rooted in the, 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 the bigger se- sense of self. You know what I mean? That yeah. also places us in the context of, of where we are in society and stuff like that. And Yeah. yeah. Like, Definitely. It's good to think about that. Like and with, with what I'm doing in my, am I heart hurting other people, if you, if your answer is like, no, I'm not hurting anybody, you know, then yeah. you're, you're okay. You know, but if like you can ask it and you ask, am I hurting somebody or taking advantage of people or stuff like that? And the answer is yes. then you got to stop, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's you know? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a thing. And that's, that's so hard. Um, I mean, it's hard, but also really rewarding. I mean, the, 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 like seeing in school that like I, I take over the classes in the fifth grade. So there in Germany, that's like when you skip from primary to the secondary school is in fifth, in fifth grade. So the kids that I teach in that age, they're like between you know, like 10 and 12, maybe. And I teach them up until the end of the secondary level, which is when they're 15 and 16. And some of them then had continued for three more years where they do the highest education. But like I, I have them in the phase where they come in as egotistical babies in a way to being like almost full grown adults, you know, like that are like learning how to how to conduct themselves in a society with other people. And that's, like, so rewarding when you start philosophy and you just, like, in the beginning, you talk about feelings and friendship and the small things. And then you, like, take these subjects that you, like, taught them in fifth grade and you bring them back in the tenth grade and see, say, like, oh, look, this was your answer back then. That's what you said about, like, uh, what is a good friend? A good friend is someone who gives me all the stickers he has or something, you know, (laughs) and, and then it's just like, damn, it's like, because I always keep these papers and if I'm lucky enough, I will teach them for long enough to like, see, this is, this was your answer back then. Would you still stand with it? And that's cool to see. And like, especially talking about religion and human rights and also like the subject of death and, and grief that helps them to, to grow and see the bigger picture of life together. And there's like, as much as I hate this job sometimes because it's such so difficult and so demanding, this is also so beneficial because when they leave in the in 10th grade and they come and thank you for, you know, you open my eyes on so many things. And then they come back years later and say, like, oh, I always think about the thing you said back then. That's kind of cool. And yeah. that's like, to me, is like the part where I think, like, yeah like i don't change the world but i change like some people's worlds and this is kind of cool
0: that's how you change the world you know it's starts with starts with just being yourself better and being that being that that um example for others around you and the way that you affect the world and you know it's like sartre and uh uh, the existentialists like Camus and people that's what they talk about is like the way that the individual has power in the world is just by existing to the best of ability and the, they on the individual level they they change people around them and that changes other people and it spreads out you know what i mean like you yeah. have effect
1: yeah and that's it's like to come back to where we started when we skipped from black metal to the like the esoteric like uh, thing the philosophical topic right now it's um i I don't believe in like an entity like you know like there's no to me there's no Satan or no God like this all giving power but the idea and uh what I always then that's like where where I started my journey when I wrote this thesis like when I still studied was about the evil. and I think that's something that is you I mean you cannot scientifically prove that there is like one, cell in your body that is like this is the root of evil and this is the root of good but we're giving we're like we're born with this duality in our in our heads that we we're we're capable of both being fantastically good and unbelievably evil and it just like it, it, it comes out in some people to some degree and no one is per se born evil i like this in horror movies like you know the michael myers idea he was evil personified or (laughs) yeah you know like like, yeah (laughs) so um but i think like this this it's so crazy to see this i mean i how old are you now carl i don't know how old are you
0: uh 35 almost 36. okay yeah so i
1: turned 43 so we're kind of have like an like an equal length of life that we had and i mean i'm pretty sure you had people that you knew when you were younger that like completely went down the drain did did like pulled some shit art prison died or whatever and you have other people that like almost indulged on a like almost heavenly way where they're super success, successful and shit and this is so crazy that like when i look back uh, on picture i just like recently sorted through some photo albums that my mom gave me and i found like a, a picture of my um my initiation ceremony for my first class like when i entered school so we took the pictures with you get like uh, these uh school no not school bags i don't they look like the donkey hats that they used to have in american schools but like yeah. they're like these gift gift baskets and there you have like toys in them and chocolate and you take these things to your first school day and we took pictures and i saw these pictures i'm like shit. like i don't know how half these people are And then I like I spoke like when I saw my mom and look at pictures like oh who's this oh yeah he's the he's he's that guy oh I remember so and then there's like there were three people in that picture that are were already dead because two of them like went on the wrong path and they overdosed on drugs the other one like died in prison because he robbed a bank shit Shit like this and then you have like other people that are super loop super successful one of the guys invented like a a, a knee, like a, a mechanical knee engine, and they got like a patent for it. And now he flies around the world and like big sheiks in 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 in, in uh, Qatar or wherever. Like they get it implanted, and he's doing the surgery for like multi millions of dollars. Oh, wow. and you're like, this is like so crazy that like we all started at the same point. And to some people, there's this evil in their minds, and it just, I, I wrote this sentence for playing swans, like, the evil in our minds searches until it finds. And yeah. for some people, like, at some point, we all get tested, and then, like, some people just fall, and they never get back up, and they just fall down the drain, and others are able to, to withstand the insanity or the evil inside of you.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's where the individual part comes in. You know, everybody has their own individual path and how they're wired and how they're put together. And, you know, I've had definitely had points in my life where, uh, those crossroads where if I had turned down one path, turned down one way, I'd probably be dead right now. Uh, but I turned down the other way and, you know, got your shit together and figured it out. You know what I mean? But And I mean, when you're kind of on the kind of adversarial type of path, uh, you know, spiritual path, like, like I followed, you know, you're, you're put in, you're thrust into these situations as well by the force of whatever the initiatory forces that's doing this. And it's like, it's about overcoming, uh, adversity and becoming better, you know, and, um, And it's important, uh, part of, of human life. We have to overcome these adversities and rise above and become, become, you know, greater, you know, become better, you know, become, uh, whatever. Like, uh, I think, I think it's just like with like, um, it's the same type of idea as like with weightlifting, you know, like you, you overcome resistance and you get stronger. Right. You know, it's like same thing in life. And, uh, it's like, um connected with uh in the runes they have the rune uh now says which is need which is this need fire which is this um kind of uh grinding force that creates the flame you know mm-hmm. so it's like that's the it's that grinding need that kind of grinding force that is pressing upon us that creates resistance that creates the fire mm-hmm. of of spiritual growth you know what I mean
1: yeah absolutely i mean i remember when i when i um was 18 i um i weigh one third more than i weigh now and i'm like i'm a big dude and i'm I'm still heavy but i was fat back then and uh it took me it took so much energy to like start a diet and working out and losing weight so i got like once i was like in the zone and just like went went like I knew why I do it and that it's better for me then I conducted myself respectfully and I lost the weight and I kept it ever since you know like kept in that form um but I remember like how hard it was to fight your own demons and that's like yeah it's, it's always like the you know like the 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 temptation the the angel on your one side and the devil on the other side it's just like such an interesting idea of like, yeah, given given to the dark side. It's easier. You know, that's why Star Wars <laughs> is so appealing. That's yeah. why, why superhero stories are so appealing. And I'm, I'm so glad back then that I made this decision. And <clears throat> I, what I just thought about when you, when you said like the last thing was like, um, I'm, I'm a big Marvel guy. So <clears throat> when I was younger, I read like I had a lot of Marvel comics. Excuse me. And I still like love them. And all of a sudden, like the what if stories came up. And at first, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't get it. Like, there's this narrative. This is the Spider Man story. But like, then when they did this, also, like Disney Plus had like this cartoon series where they did the what if stories. Like, what if in that one moment you decided to do one thing differently? Like you just said, like, there are these parts where you could have died if you took the different road and and i think that's like we all have these tests in life and i for god's sake i don't think that's like god's will or whatever because like that's my kids in school they're always like yeah it's god's will that you get tested it's like yeah, no no like if if your if your baby brother gets killed in a car accident that's not god's will that's <laughs> it's you know, or, or your god must be the most cruel hateful <laughs> motherfucker ever yeah. well
0: that's what the gnostics uh, would say
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So um, yeah, man, we get tested all the time, and like uh, you can go like the the difficult way and like think about things, find your own path, find facts, and and build your own picture, or you could just storm the capital in January.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's because it's a uh, it's definitely it's where it comes to responsibility. You know, you have to take responsibility for. For yourself for your education for your self-development your growth you know like all these things like and uh i think that's that's always been the most like one of the most important things to me is the idea of, of self-responsibility you know like yeah. uh and uh, uh accountability self-accountability that's something that frustrates me a lot that i see becoming very endemic in our culture is wow. uh blaming others you know um yeah. like never taking responsibility for your actions, you know, like uh, just, I don't know. And just, it's very frustrating to watch that, but you know. Yeah. But it's the, it's the easy
1: way out. It's the easy thing to do. It's the lazy thing to do. Blame yeah. others. Take the, take the, take the low road, you know, lie, cheat, steal. It's just, it's just like, it's so easy to do. And I always thought, I think it's funny that like Christians always portray this as the devil's way way i think like it's it's more or more like uh the the absolute christian way is like yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm doing i'm doing the sense of morality because my god tells me to and that's because i'm a christian i'm better than you and that's why i always do things right it's like yeah uh uh-huh right yeah it's like whenever whenever you talk about this in school it's like but yeah but like the muslims they flew the airplanes into the twin towers it's like yeah thank god christianity was so harmless and they didn't do any they didn't do, do, do anything wrong in the past yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's the thing like when i look at the history of christianity and uh I you know you look at just all the evil that it's and you know to me like that, that it's done like that's actual evil so like Yeah, you know, the devil is not, not actually the evil in that. (laughs) The devil is the one that's trying to like, uh, trying to free people from their, from their prison. You know what I mean? Of of this Christian, like, uh, Christianity, you know what I mean? Like the, that's like blinding them to their own evil. Like in the, they're like sitting there, like patting themselves on the back, you know, it's like, so yeah, that's, that was, that was always like the big thing for me when I was a kid, like, um, so my mom was a we became a Catholic when I was, I don't know, ten or eleven, like she converted. Before that, she was into like Wicca and all this stuff. And uh my my dad was um into like Sufism and Zen Buddhism and uh things like this, you know? Mm-hmm. So and he was very much about uh not he's about just like showing me the options, like here's all the religions, like here's like different spiritualities, like totally open to whatever that i found interesting you know what i mean that was like that was interesting to me and including like you know uh like pagan spirituality stuff like that as well you know like he he's a pretty, he was very open-minded person so i had so i had my mom on one hand trying to convince me that ca- her, her she was trying to convince me that Catholic, uh, catholicism was a good thing you know what i mean like long conversations as, as a kid about like theology and shit you know what i mean like that's how Mm. for me that's how (laughs) that's how she tried to uh to convert me but it never really worked because because on the other hand i had my dad like being more like open showing me all these other things so i could see all the all the poke all the holes through the the christian ideas you know what i mean Mm. like even as a child and i just always think that that's the thing like with christianity is that even as a as a kid or adolescent i could easily poke holes through all the logical fallacies of their of their religion so it just makes me like i just don't understand how an adult can like be convinced of this stuff you know what i mean yeah
1: of course yeah
0: (laughs) it's just very confusing to me (laughs) i mean the the thing is uh the uh
1: my my mother she believed just in the things that my father said and my father the only thing he believed in is money so he's like he's a his religion is capitalism Right And um, I mean, the cool thing is that like religion didn't play any major part in my education. Uh, my grandparents they were all Catholic and, and survivors of the second world war. And and my father just like early on, like found himself like just in the believe of discipline and making money. That's right. why he became a banker and a broker and shit like this. And um, I mean, The crucial point here in Germany, is like where a lot of kids give in is um, when you have the communion Um, because it happens here that you uh, go to classes for a year where you get prepared for your communion and that's when you're 13 or something. And then, uh, then you do the service, read your prayer, and then you get a ton of gifts for doing that. And then, like, yeah, welcome to the Christian community. And my dad said, like, yeah, man, before you think about doing this, I'll just give you the gifts that you want beforehand, and (laughs) you don't go there. And like later on, if you're old enough, make up your own mind if you want to be religious. And yeah, I mean, I. yeah, it's like I I I really don't have a lot of good things to say about my dad, but like this is one of the good things he did, like to to raise me in a way where like yeah, make up your own mind and like educate yourself and then make a decision. That's, and that's like, how it should
0: be, in my opinion. You know, yeah. don't force religions on kids' throats to show them options, and and if somebody wants to be religious, that's uh, that's their choice. Like when Absol- they're an yeah. adult, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean it's like uh it's it's the same question like in my i mean i'm vegan and like a lot of my friends are vegan and like and some of them had kids so they were just they were talking about like so how do we raise our kid now and then they like some of them were like straight up like i will raise my kid 100 percent vegan and it's like but it's dangerous like it's it's not like it's not impossible but you have to educate yourself and see like to do everything right and then like i had one couple in my surrounding they were like yeah but like what will happen once there's a children's birthday party and like they do like i don't know they they play games and in the end they will all have like some wiener sausages and potato salad which is like a german tradition is like does our kid like will our kid be the outsider then to because he never he could never join in on the potato salad or the sausages because like that's still like veganism is still not big enough that a lot of parents actually do that. Right. So they said they said like no, we will we will raise our kids to eat healthy and like they also incorporates meat now and then and then to a certain point we will like tell him this is the option, this is how you can do it and then he should make up his own mind or her own mind and i think like that's kind of the, like the right way. Yeah, it's like I agree. you can yeah, you can raise someone like in a in a Christian tradition, but you should always like reflect on it and and so like okay, so here's maybe another choice, or this is um, this is why we believe, not like because my dad told me. I now I tell you, like this is the wrong way. I think. Yeah, I
0: agree. <clears throat> the um yeah, definitely like the uh, I think it should be open, you know. Like, uh, pre- present options and, and uh, leave it up to the individual, you know? Yeah. Let's see. And that
1: brings us brings us again full circle to where we started with black metal. And it's just like there are several options. Educate yourself. Listen to your heart. Listen to, like, your, your gut feeling. What music, like, what what does best for you. Is it, If Death Heaven is giving you a black metal boner, good for you. If it's <laughs> blasphemy, then it's good for you. Well, yeah. like, don't hate the other. I mean, you can hate people for listening Deaf Heaven because it's just like a terrible band. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but in general, as man, you know, like, I don't dig war metal. But if it's someone else's cup of tea and makes their life better, good for them. Just yeah. don't hate on the others if they don't like blasphemy or
0: Archgoat and all these bands. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I, yeah, I'm one of the people I I like I like I like it both. I like war metal, but I also like, you know. I also like Ulta, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, one of the yeah.
1: least war metal bands out there. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's all it all depends on on my on my mood or what I'm looking for at that moment, you know?
1: Yeah, of course. And that's that's a good thing that what I love about music, that there are so many options. And that's like funny. Like I posted my my top ten records of the year on Instagram earlier on. Yeah, and like some of the messages from like because there are a lot of people that follow me now that like follow me because I'm the guy from Ulta, and they're like, "What? This is the kind of music you listen to? Like how <laughs> uh, how the fuck are you able to write stuff like Ulta?" It's like, yeah, because like I listen to a lot of stuff, and it's it's the the emotional undertone to these bands that speaks to me, and like I don't listen to only Black Metal to write Ulta stuff, and uh, and that that's I'm glad that that there are so many options and that's maybe because that's why Ulta is so open from their sound and but then in the end i like ignorant black metal too you know like I, yeah there's like a certain amount of bands that have like a black cover with white drawing and a red logo like some of them i dig too even though it's the most retarded thing out there and it's it's it's
0: forcefully brutal yeah yeah there's a place for everything yeah uh so, one thing that I wanted to talk about before we close out is uh, James Bond. <laughs> Completely, like, changing <laughs> the track of
1: it. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I remember. We touched upon that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Again, a thing of taste. But, yeah, yeah what right. are we going to want to know?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, James Bond is definitely one of taste. Like I I think the thing with James Bond, and this actually connects to what we are just talking about, is that people's favorite James Bond movies is very, like... Taste, you know, like you have yeah. a person whose like favorite movie is Moonraker. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? anyway, like
1: I, I, I back Moonraker. It's, it's, ret- it's ridiculous, but it's funny. It's cool. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, um, like I, I, I can give my. I was gonna ask like, what's your, what are your favorite? Like, what's your top five James Bond movies? Because I thought about mine. I'm probably okay. Kind of putting you on the spot. But, um.
1: I, well. Well. Okay. I can, if I. I can, yeah, I can yeah. give you
0: mine first and then while you think <laughs> um, Yeah
1: Okay let's go let's do yours
0: Okay so my top five Bond movies Is number one is uh, From Russia of Love That's uh, your
1: favorite of all time
0: All the time yeah that's my favorite okay. um, Number two is Honor Majesty's Secret Service mm-hmm. Number three is um, uh, GoldenEye uh, Number four is um living daylights and number five is um uh for your eyes only
1: That's oh a, man yeah. okay <laughs>
0: uh-huh. and for your eyes only isn't like necessarily the best bond movie overall because it has a stupid intro and stupid outro but i like yeah. the movie in between a lot like it's it's one of my favorite i mean i know the spy you love me is technically a better movie for for more you know what I mean yeah and I yeah. do that would be like right behind that but for for me I just I enjoy the the feeling of the what goes on in free eyes only a lot you know I'm kind of into the the more like spy oriented James Wan I guess you know yeah sure
1: yeah oh man um right from like right from the when you asked the question my initial answer would be uh all five Daniel Gregg bonds.
0: Those are your top because- five
1: <clears throat> yeah, like I have no, I. It's hard to say that without being crucified, but I think <clears throat> my 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 favorite Bond now is Daniel Craig. He's like he's like the toughest Bond in a way, but yeah. that's not not what we want to talk about because we want to talk about old school Bond. But I think Skyfall is the best Bond movie ever, and it's also one of the best movies in general ever. I I fucking love this. I love all five of the Daniel Craig movies. I like that they're like back to back great story. Don't not a particularly big fan of the ending of No Time to Die. Yeah, I mean, a general, a general fantastic um well, some yeah.
0: One movie, one of his that I feel like is very like I don't understand the heat for it is Spectre. Like I I really like Spectre a lot as well. Yes.
1: Movie. Absolutely. I,
0: was, I remember when I got done watching it the first time I was just like uh, I was like, "Wow, that movie is awesome! Like, this great visuals. Like, it really felt like a classic James Bond movie. You know what I mean?" Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think Quantum Solace is also underrated, but you can clearly see that the writer's strike happened back then. So, like, half of the, the movie makes total sense, and then it goes just like, "Oh, we need to finish it off somehow." Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> but the first part is amazing, especially like the the part of that that stage theater play scene in Austria. In Briegens, and Brigands, yeah, and I, I actually, that. yeah, I played a show with uh, at a festival with Planks, which was like 25 meters away from that stage. And when they don't uh, have like actual plays going on, you can just go on that stage and walk around, and it's just fantastic. And I'm like, dude, I'm at the set of, of fucking Quantum Solace, fantastic, you know?
0: Yeah, that that, so, that that section, um, whatever doing Tosca and like the... Yeah. What's going on in the opera actually fits what's going on in the movie. That was really that was a really cool part. Like I like it when Bond is a little bit like that, where it's like has that kind of artificiality like that, where it's like yes, you know, I, it that's also why I enjoy Spectre.
1: Yeah, it has all the all the all the tropes. It's it's stylish. It's over the top. Like these big big uh, um, the setups they have at that stage. It's like so so fitting for Bond. And also, dude, like I love like when when like right off the right off the bat when Casino Royale started, and they have the chase, and also the chase in the beginning of of Quantum of Solace is like this. This is like how you should start like an action movie. It's like with having something so over the top straight from the get go. Yeah,
0: um, the, the cold open for Casino Royale, like or the, the first chase scene is great. The um, uh, Casino Royale would be like right next to my list. Like that's. Out of the Craig ones that's actually my favorite. But yeah. Yeah, it the, also
1: has yeah, it also has um uh damn, what's his name? Hannibal. Um yeah, M- Mads Mikkelsen, like he's yeah, so cool uh, in that. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. One one of the all-time greats, man. Yeah. He's, yeah.
0: He's one of the great villains of of Bond, like he he's he's right up there with with you know the classics. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um So yeah, old school. Um, first I have to say, my favorite of the old bonds is Roger Moore. I kind of, I kind of like his cheeky, cheeky humoristic approach. But then again, some of the movies are just so retarded. (laughs) I mean, like Moonwalker is like, or Octopussy. It's like, it's it's hard to watch them. But um, so favorite of the old ones is probably uh the man with a golden gun. Oh really? That's... Uh yeah, I really like it. Uh also because of Christopher Lee as the bad guy. Yeah, Scaramanga. Uh, he's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to have like a power violence band called Scaramanga. It's gonna it have like a cool this coolness coolness factor to it. Um so I'd go like I I I wouldn't need more time to make like a top like an actual top 5 but like the man with a golden gun would be in there um definitely gold goldfinger because it's I think probably it's the James Bond movie um, he, see
0: I I have a very uh I'm not a big fan of goldfinger for me personally because um I got like, you know I, re- I watched it recently and, stuff and uh uh I just have a hard time with the plot of Goldfinger. Like, I know that plot's maybe not the most important thing in James Bond, but just the fact that that the whole story is based like the whole. If it's like, if he hadn't turned Pussy Gore straight, then then everybody would be dead. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah, like pretty stupid. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do i mean when when it comes to this like some of these movies would get straight up canceled nowadays yeah. like some some of these movies wouldn't fly anymore especially that, like the sean connery times like whoo, you,
0: i think like yeah. that's why i like from rush of love is that it's a little bit less uh you know it's it's a little bit more the uh i love the the fucking, the fight of red grant and the train at the end and yes that is yes. uh, it's just like i mean i'm pretty like I'm not like a person that you know. I wouldn't cancel so cancel Goldfinger because of that or anything. I just find the the plot of it um, that that it hinges so much on on that happening. You know what yeah. I mean? To be a, yeah. just like just on a just on a purely just like uh, plot level to be kind of a hard time for me. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, Goldfinger obviously is a lot of people. I mean, the 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 vibe of it's great. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's. It to me, it's just like that. I think it was my starting point to Bond, and you kind of always attach to the first contact you have. So yeah, Goldfinger is definitely one up there, Um, dude. I don't know. Like, I'm not not like. I mean, it it's only pretty much uh, Sean Connery and Roger Moore ones. I think Timothy Dalt was the worst Bond. Um, even though *License to Kill* is an okay movie, I kind of like I like *Golden Eye* with Pierce Brosnan, but it's it's more and more 90s than the 90s should be. <laughs> um, *Die Another Day* is unwatchable, that terrible, unbelievable.
0: I like, might you have Brosnan? I like *Golden Eye* and I like uh, *The World Is Not Enough*. Yeah, but I think that *Tomorrow Never Dies* is not very good, and and *Die Another Day* is the worst Bond movie. You know? Yeah.
1: Un unbelievable. It's like really, you know, I have I have a thing like where I say pizza is the food that is never horrible. Even the worst pizza place in the world that just throws together a shitty dough and a bit of tomato sauce, it's still mostly edible. Yeah. You know, like you can fuck up noodles, you can fuck up Thai to the degree where you cannot eat it anymore, but pizza is something even the the worst idiots can like throw together a pizza and it'll still be like okay i can eat that and it's kind of like with james bond in a way but like that one movie is like the worst worst ever
0: felon Bellin, Bellin's yeah. like you made pizza and then you you just like like put shit all over it <laughs> yeah. yeah you're like here's yeah. your shit pizza you know what oh I mean? man <laughs>
1: yeah I, I threw up on the pizza with old pizza it's like kind of kind of like this so it's yeah so um yeah oh, terrible so yeah, so the Golden Eye, Man with a Golden Gun, Live and Let Die. I would say, Thunderball, um, um, and uh, yeah, View to a Kill. No, yeah, no License to Kill, not View to Kill. What's the What's the What's the second one with Jaws? Is, he's he's in Moonraker and he's The Spy he's You in... Love
0: Me this is the first one he was in. Oh yeah,
1: right, okay, yeah. I mean this this is like kind of a comedic thing, like I still back that, but uh yeah, I don't know. I have to I would have to go back and oh man, maybe you only live twice. Yeah, it's hard. Like I had to, to make a straight up top five, I would to dive deeper, but I think you get the idea. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think I think all the with Bond it's kinda like um Uh, you know, everybody has their individual tastes of what they like. And then even like for me, like even the ones that, you know, like I'm not like with, with like the more movies, for example, like I, my dad was uh, Sean Connery purist pretty much. Like he loved, he grew up, you know, he was that right age. Like he was, you know, I think he got into bond, like uh, he was in the Navy and he read the books and then, the movies started coming out Dr. No and from Russia of love and stuff. So he was like all about, you know, the particularly the first three Connery movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was not a fan of, of the more era. And uh, so I never really grew up with, with Roger Moore. So um, to be honest, like a lot of the Moore movies I didn't see until very recently. So, yeah. and, uh, and I have to say that, that, um, I think they're fun you know like the spy you love me for example is like a, a really fun movie to watch you know like it's um uh, they're they're not as like uh you know serious as as some of the others but you know they're still fun to watch i i think like maybe moonraker takes it a little too far you know what i mean yeah. Like into yeah, space yeah. and stuff it has some good parts to it but um it's a lot of, going to space was i think the the touch too far you know like the original like book, every, book was in every, not like in space
1: every, like in every horror movie tro- uh, franchise as soon as they go to space it gets terrible
0: yeah yeah, yeah and it was like um, yeah like that's why i liked uh eyes only a lot because it's been more grounded it's got um uh what's his name the guy who was in uh indiana jones in and the last crusade mm-hmm. is like the bad guy in it yeah yeah um and he's just like uh oh he was in the I think he was in the yeah he was in that one he was like the the art dealer guy but yeah the uh he was like actually a Nazi the um yeah. but he was in uh emperors only and yeah I like the kind of euro thriller type of uh bond movies you know what i mean more than the, yeah sure like, outrageous ones but there's <laughs> but there's fun fun and outrageous ones at the same time as well the uh
1: i mean the thing is like with the time that we grew up in i mean for me james bond is something that like popped up on tv now and then and we didn't have a whole lot of stations when i grew up i mean i don't i mean america has like a retarded amount of tv stations that you can go through now like everybody was streaming and everybody has like their own channel. But back then we had like uh, we had like two s- channels that were run by the state. We got like a third one for every state, like so like we had like two for whole Germany, and then like Northern Westphalia, Hessia, and they all had like their own channel that was the third official one. And then like in the in the mid eighties, they started to have private channels, and there were like five or six of them. But, like, you, you knew, like, when it was, like, for example, now, Christmas. At Christmas, it was always in the afternoon, you would watch Bud Spencer movies. And I think Bud Spencer is something that not, no one in America really knows of. Yeah, I have no
0: idea what that is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, But Spencer was... It's, uh, it's Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill. It's, like, um, it's a fat guy with a, with a goatee and, and curly hair. And a blonde guy with blue eyes. And they're, like, fighting... Uh, other people, and they started out. there are Italian movies, and uh, Bud Spencer was an Italian championship swimmer, and he became an actor. And, uh, and these two, like in Germany, literally everybody knows them, and they're national heroes. Not even in Italy, they're as popular as they are here. And they have like a tons of movies, like some of them together, some of them solo. Um, and like they started out as like like these spaghetti westerns so like italian productions that mock american f- films and then like they became just like goofy cornball movies so they're on every christmas in the afternoon you can watch like millions of those films in the yeah. evening you have die hard you have um you have stuff like uh, these old czech check uh, fairy tales that you have. Uh, and, and you know, like there's the stuff that is always on. And when there's holidays for some Christmas Easter or, or stuff like this, New Year's, there will be a James Bond on, on one station right. all the time. And that's why I all saw them when I was young, because like my parents and my grandparents, they were sitting in the living room and we're talking a lot. So we ate together and then I like fucked off into like this in the next room and we had like a TV station. And then I switched through and that's like how I saw like a lot of the stuff. And whenever a Bond movie was on, I watched it. And back then, I mean, it was the 80s when I grew up. So it was pretty much the same that it is nowadays. So it was a year after James Bond came to the cinema, it came like it was to be rented on VCR or you could have it like on tv like two years later and that's why i guess why i screw up like watching mostly uh roger moon movies
0: yeah yeah you're in the 80s is probably all more on the tv yeah maybe uh, yeah i'm sure occasionally they play it, sean Connery or something but i'm sure it was like more uh on the tv yeah and it's also like they
1: just randomly like you know like you had like one day it was Moonraker and the next one was The Spy Who Loved Me. You know, like right, there was yeah. no, there was not like today where everyone is like really keen on having like uh, sequencing and like have like, okay, season one and this. It's also with The Simpsons. When I grew up, The Simpsons just were like all over the place. So you like, nowadays that I know like, okay, this is season one. This is season two. Like in the afternoon, there were just three episodes of The Simpsons. They were like randomly chosen.
0: You know? Yeah, that's how was here too. Like... For the reruns they would just you would have like one from season one one from season four you know like, yeah <laughs> yeah every afternoon they. uh yeah yeah and but with like i don't know I, that's kind of something about the old bond that that uh you know was kind of nice was that they were they stood alone in a lot of ways you know they they still work together but at the same time they each movie kind of stands on its own
1: yeah, and that's, like, I mean, that was the trope back then, also with a lot of shows. I'm, I'm just like for the first time ever watching Seinfeld, and I'm almost done with it because uh-huh. everybody told me like how Seinfeld is so relevant and so important. And in the beginning, like I was like, yeah, it's okay. I kind of get it. But in the third season, all of a sudden it's sequenced. And then all of a sudden, stuff that happens in episode six has an effect on episode nine or something. And I appreciate this. That makes so much more fun to have like these, you know, these sidebars where you know, like, ah, he's referencing this or that. And I I appreciate this. But back then, the 80s were like, take stuff out of context, which was terrible back then, because that was the time that I saw Twin Peaks, like in the beginning of the 90s, the first time on TV. And, you know, like watching Twin Peaks in the right
0: sequence is already hard to understand. But like (laughs)
1: seeing just random episodes is really hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a show that you can't just watch like randomly, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Same with
1: X-Files. I mean, X-Files, there are some episodes that have no part in the bigger scheme of things. An Amazon Prime that has all the X-Files episodes now has an option where you can switch, where it only shows you the episodes of the storyline and not like the other episodes, because there's a lot of stuff, which is kind of like a smart thing to do. And I appreciate this for the technology that we have now. But then again, it's like the same with music. I just love if I knew like, oh, there will be a new episode of show X or Y on on saturday i was banned in front of the tv and couldn't wait to for the next episode and now it's just like here's the complete season blow it over in one day
0: right yeah it's definitely different it's all about um just blasting through it i mean like x-files i grew up with um when it first launched Like my dad uh, like so like my cousin worked for fox back then he uh sent us some stuff for x-files my dad and i watched um you know from the pilot on you know so i grew up with fx so I was, like watched every every episode every week religiously up until uh when molder left the show i kind of like stopped watching it. every week I it was kind of intermittent you know what i mean like i'd watch it but some weeks i wouldn't and they were kind of moving it around too at that time like changing like when it was playing so but i mean for basically for what like you know i can't i think what molder left in like I don't even know what season that was like 7 or 8 or something like that. Mm. Like so, I mean almost a decade I watched X-Files every every week religiously, you know. Yeah, <laughs> cuz that was like my favorite show as a kid.
1: Yeah, and it's just kind I kind of miss stuff like this. I mean, there are still shows or like bigger stations that have like one
0: episode a week.
1: For example, like Tulsa King, the new show with Sylvester Stallone. And and it's cool like if if it's just like one episode a week, but now it's just like Yeah, but if you want to watch it, you can just like switch it on. But there's no time that you need to sit in front of the TV or you will miss it or like program the VCR to record it. And I think that's like kind of like the same anticipation I had when records came out that you had to like in the record store, you know, like, oh, will you have it on that date? Yeah, we'll have it. And then you run there in the morning at nine when the shop opened to like buy it firsthand. Like, oh, I have the new Bad Religion or the new sepulture or whatever record and that's like kind of cool to have that memory and i mean kids now they're completely different than the way you and r grew up and so uh, it's completely weird and i think like they will do whatever pendant there is to podcasts in 30 years from now and they will look back at their youth as being totally cool
0: (laughs) yeah it'll be it'll be kind of funny i mean the funny thing about podcasts like i listen to um Uh, some james bond podcasts as well as the other ones and and uh other types of like you know horror movie podcasts and stuff and uh a lot of the people doing the podcasts are like our age you know so Mm. it's it's kind of funny i feel like the podcast world is primarily made up of people like 30 something plus you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) all talking about being a kid it's kind of funny
1: yeah it's 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 almost like now with uh Uh, with all the crossovers happening between the horseman podcasts it's kind of funny that there's like a lot of old white people lists you know like oh yeah i remember this and that and it's funny like because i'm part of that too and then it's just like okay now listen to to, into the necrosphere with these guys oh yeah they're talking about their favorite records of the 90s now uh you know like then you talk about the Nightmare on Elm Street things and it's always like, yeah, it's the stuff that moved us when we were young and that impressed us. And we will all talk about like modern stuff or things that we like now, but it's, I think now you, everything goes by in a different way. Listening to Necromaniacs, for example, there's a lot of good horror movies, but there's like hardly any movies on there will be talked about 15 years from now, you know? Right. And 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 because we consume movies in a different way. But for example, like like one of the kids in my school, like we talked about horror movies, the class, and he was like, Oh, have you seen the new terrifier? I'm like, what the fuck? What? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like I didn't even know that because there's no like no word of terrifier in German cinemas or whatsoever, but there are these nerds that are the way that we were. You know, like you read magazines or word of mouth, and there's this oh, there's this obscure horror th- horror film, and I mean, with with the second Terrifier, there's a story that is being set up like for like an actual franchise, and maybe these kids in a few years will look back at this and say like, yeah, Terrifier, we were there when that happened, because yeah. I was there for parts of when Nightmare on Elm Street happens, so, yeah
0: yeah i think i think terrifier will be the you know that generation's like nightmare on Elm street and stuff you know what i mean like i think yeah I do you think terrifier has the potential to become that kind of that kind of uh cultural type of zeitgeist type of type of thing in a yeah. lot of ways now i didn't think that was the, the first one but with the second one i definitely see that happening yeah
1: and the thing is i think that leone and not even intended to do it in that way but the funny thing is that it just happened organically which is cool and then again like a lot of yeah and a lot of stations you know with like smile and all these films where they try to make it something they you need something iconic and you need to make it into a franchise so it can like spawn off movies i mean It worked with The Conjuring in a way, with all the offsprings of The Conjuring, and I think they're mostly okay. I really like the first one, but it's also not something where you have like one, one figure that you can like rely on, you know? Like you don't have, in Conjuring, there is no Jason, there is no Freddy. You have the nun, but the nun is also pretty random. But with Terrifier, with art, you have like one of these figures that works.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the thing, like it has to be uh it has to be um organic. Yeah. Like uh, you know, like when I remember street, they didn't go to create this like fucking huge, you know, zeitgeist like yeah. create cre- uh character and all this stuff. It just happened that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and that's that's what it comes down to. Like you can't force these types of things happening. Uh, It has to be organic, and because it's actually what's going on in the moment. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that happened with James Bond. I mean, look at like how many how many spy things you have, and I mean, look at. I think the only thing that matches like the level of storytelling and uh, quality to like a lot of like the longer running James Bond topics is maybe Mission Impossible. because i think like i mean they they started out clumsy like from a tv show but like i love like the last five or six mission impossible movies are unbelievably good and that's also something they tried it with lethal weapon but not not all the lethal weapon movies are good but then again you have like you know bad boys all the three bad boys movies are excellent it's like it's 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 a thing of chance and the moment it comes out and it targets the right audience and just has like a balance of everything and i think terrifier brings that so i'm curious to see where this will go
0: yeah yeah i will see i mean i definitely think that they're that uh he's posed to 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 have big things you know with the ne- next movie you know what i mean and uh yeah. i i agree like um and like say with James Swan, for example, like going back to that for a second, like it's crazy to think about uh, how long it's been 60 years, and it's somehow yeah. they still managed to make it relevant, you know, like with with the Craig era and stuff, you know what I mean? Like Sure, yeah. And they they, they had to reboost it in the way for the modern age. They tried
1: it in the nineties with Brosnan and they kind of fumbled in the end. But I think like the the Bond the, the Daniel Craig movies they will also be like in ten years you will watch, look back at them and they will still hold up and uh, of course not from maybe the looks or maybe from the effects but in general it will it will work the same way that if you watch a uh, Sean Connery Bond now it will still make fun like it will still be fun to watch it yeah. and I'm really really interested in where they are going to take it. And I really hope that they will install a new person as 07 in that structure they already have, because the end of, of the last one, you see all of the team, you know, you see Q and and, and Money Penny and all these people. And they have the setup. They just need to install a new 07. And I think I would love to see that if it's just like a different person with a different story in the in the world of pretty much james bond
0: yeah yeah i don't i don't think it probably isn't what they're going to do though because i think they want to keep james bond the character you know what i mean so i think it's going to be a uh a new reboot and keep the craig era like um separate you know like it's its own contained world i I, what i could see them doing though is uh continuing on the world of the craig era like in a tv show format like amazon prime right you know
1: yeah but. yeah it would be because they installed all of that and it's it's good and and i would love to see this i mean it would be a bold move because the die i mean the diehards already went shit when they heard there's a female bond coming or it will be a black bond and and i mean imagine they would have um what's what's his name luther like the actor of luther um damn man um who's also in prometheus and uh in uh, Pacific Rim, the the actor, you know, the the fuck is his name? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like wait, wait a second. Uh, Luther actor, um, uh, Idris Elba, of course. All right,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the problem is that he's like kind of the same age as Greg, so I think he's a uh, yeah he's a they can age him out some people were like well maybe it's just make a one-off of it just as as bond yeah. just because you know and then find like a younger actor for the next st- stage but um yeah but, but it yeah,
1: would, I... you know like bringing in some someone of his caliber or even like even like a girl that uh, would be i mean they had like a girl being 007 for a minute in the last one but she wasn't <laughs> Good. I think she wasn't cool enough, and like a character, like not a, not enough character enough. But I I would back it if they would just install someone in that universe coming in as a new face with a new story, not being James Bond, but being the new 007, and having to fill the gap that that James Bond left. But um, I think that would be a it would flop at the at the box office because people want to have the figure of James Bond. Yeah
0: yeah that's the thing like that's why i would see could see them doing that in the form of like a tv show or something continuing on the craig universe you yeah. know like and then yeah. relaunching in the movies on new bond um yeah. but i'm not i'm curious like who they're gonna pick i do you know if they're gonna go a bit more traditional like henry Ca- cavill i heard it was like has been like one of those people his names put up a lot and i could see that working but yeah. I don't I don't really know. I don't have an idea to see who gets who gets it, you know. Yeah,
1: to me I will just cherish the the Dan and Craig bonds like I cherish the Nolan Batman movies. I mean, I like the new Batman and uh, and I and I think uh Robert Pattinson did a good job in that role as the really fucked up dark Batman, but the the Nolan Batman movies, the trilogy is like pretty much flawless and to me that kind of like it's the same with the with the with the Daniel Drake Bonds. You have the five movies, you have them as one big entity, kind of like with this with the last one of the of the Batman movies. It's also a bit too long, bit like too hasty in a way. But in general, the three of them back to back are excellent, and it's the same with the five Bond movies. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think my, with No Time to Die, my biggest problem was that um, I would have liked it better if instead if they had used Bullfeld better like it would have made more sense that blofeld was the force behind uh killing killing bond uh and Safin was maybe just like a henchman of 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 Blofeld because he just didn't work as like a villain as like the main villain he didn't work his his motivation didn't really work in movie like he felt it's like why is he doing this you know what i mean like why is he so like why is he doing this to bond and all this stuff like it felt like kind of like um like, like i feel like they shouldn't have l- listened to the fan like there's such a you know the fans were got didn't like bofeld and specter or whatever like they made this pissy fit about it and like i don't think they should have listened to the fans and they should have yeah they should have just gone with blofeld and made bofeld cooler in this movie like more evil like they even as the poison garden at yeah. you know at island that's that poison island is bofeld's island in the books and they originally only live twice you know like yeah it would have been so much cooler if they made bofeld more like kind of crazy and you know you got a great actor playing him like one of the best yeah. And it
1: was so man in that scene when he comes out of the glass cage and he first sees bond again you're like this is the shit i don't want to see not the other guy and not again nothing against remy uh, but like it doesn't like he was just there by accident, and he had like the burnt face and the mask, cool optics, cool sidebar, but not the main villain.
0: Yeah, Brofeld is is James Bond villain, and you know main villain. And Blofeld should have been the the motivating force behind the story. And it would have. I was thinking about that there right now. I was like, that would have made way more sense, and it would have been more satisfying to conclusion to the story if if Blofeld was like the the underlying force behind actually like killing bond you know what i mean yeah like, they
1: kill absolutely. each other like
0: their hatred for each other results in them killing each other basically you know what i mean
1: that would be a perfect ending yeah but yeah. we
0: don't get perfect endings yeah Yeah. so yeah that's what that's like <laughs> i thought there was a lot of a lot of great stuff in No time to die but uh, that was like my biggest problem with that i was just like man if you just kind of changed a couple of things like this could have been like incredible like even better you know what i mean yeah of
1: course yeah
0: well, yeah,
1: yeah. it's not—it's uh, not up to us to control it. I mean, I—I no. <laughs> I, I always have the this feeling with wrestling that I think I could tell better stories than the actual people that write the stories. But uh, yeah, I'm just a teacher. I should have chosen a different profession then.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I, that's why I don't agree with this this nonsense of like. Uh... You know these stupid fan like thing things that they're like oh we we want this to be different like we don't accept this it's like we you get what you get you know what I mean like yeah we're not the people behind creating these movies and 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 um you know they make the decisions and we just have to live with live live with what they created you know and I don't think we have the right to do fan petitions to like change a movie <laughs> or something you know what I mean like a stupid
1: yeah, we can I, we can be pissed and can be disappointed and we can voice our opinions, but like I mean, yeah, again, we cannot storm the capital and say like we need another final season of Game of Thrones because this one blew.
0: Yeah, exactly. It just uh, yeah. And just don't take it so personally. People take this stuff too personally. I think it's like uh huh. Yeah, you watch Game of Thrones yeah, this last season's not great, but I mean, it is what it is, you know. Like it doesn't doesn't ruin, in my opinion, shouldn't ruin how, the enjoyment that you got out of all the other seasons. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And see, there we are
1: again with our general topic of today, with uh, being egotistical and being your own god in the highest instance. So these people think they know better, and they they are the ones. The, this one person needs to be pleased that everything is okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, it's, uh, it does seem like the, the topic kind of revolved around that <laughs> yeah. but I actually gotta let you go here in a minute because I have things to go do but yeah your your
1: day starts, my day ends yeah, yeah,
0: you're at the end of your day yeah, yeah. It's great to be able to talk again Like, I'm glad that we were able to do a part 2 yeah, sure man if there's ever need for a part 3 I'm definitely
1: game, that was fun
0: yeah, I mean, I'm definitely down to have you on again. You know, like, and uh, if you want to come on and just talk about whatever, or if you ever want to come on and talk about a specific thing, you know, like it's up, yep. it's up to you. Like, I'm all, yep. You're always welcome to come on the podcast, though. Cool, man. It's good yeah, to be I able will. to sit and talk, and you know, like, like, You know, I'm gonna, I have Mike on pretty regularly. You know, I'm glad I like to have like some regular people on to come on. You know.
1: And that's a cool thing about this 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 mixture of the podcast and the, the interchanging guests that like Mike Scandoro is now going to be on on into the necrosphere and also Jeff Kashid and uh, on Horror Wolf and all this mixtures i love that and i'm i'm glad that like i mean i'm just like riding mike's coattail in a way <laughs> like being a guest there but it brought me into the loop and now i met all these cool people and we're talking and writing and i totally appreciate that and yeah man like uh i will we will think of another topic at some point and then we'll talk again
0: yeah, yeah. you know just uh let me know whenever you you have the time that you can set yeah. aside and I mean, I'm pretty much, I can pretty much do this any Wednesday. So, you know, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, yeah, it's, I love, you know, I'm I'm planning on trying to get Mike Scandato on here as well. And on the podcast and, you know, yeah. I, I like, it's great to have like this kind of little group of group of guys that we, uh, yeah. you know, we all kind of, uh, get along and have similar ideas, a lot of stuff and different ideas about other things, but we all like can have good conversations and, you know, absolutely. yeah. so yeah
1: yeah we'll we'll find another chance to talk man
0: thanks for having me again perfect thank you ralph hope you have
1: a good night yeah same have a good day talk soon buddy cool talk to you later man
0: bye bye